this week on Invasion, the podcast, things are happening again. When is Black Suit Spider-Man not Spider-Man? When it's 1991's Darkhawk. And I stared on Steve's spectacular superhero synonyms. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. Uh, my name is Paul. And somewhere out there wandering around in a um, con- condemned funhouse is Steve. Just call me Lodestone, everyone. <laughs> oh, not not Savage Steel or, um, <laughs> or Max Range. That's not one of the characters in Darkhawk. Maybe later. We'll get to naming conventions here yeah, when we get to the yeah. uh, Super Cinnamon, cinnamon? Super cinnamon, cinnamon game. Yeah, uh, Steve's Spectacular Superhero Synonyms. That's but yeah, a, Lodestone and, and Savage Steel are two that really stuck in my craw. <laughs> ah, you know, I didn't think about that. Uh, what, what about a uh, portal? What about the name of like, like what if like what if your your uh, your the name was like the thing that you do where it's like, hey Steve, worker, like that's just what you know, like. <laughs> I don't know. It just feel weird to me. It's like, if it's like, I mean, I guess it's like, if you, if you're based upon like your key talent, I'd be like, Steve would be writer man or anchor person or, you know, tracer no. <laughs> beer drinker, beer drinker, you know, anyway. So yeah, um, we're going to, we're going to rack in uh, all the listeners here with our discussion about 1991's. Uh, well, it's a three year anniversary of the character dark Hawk that Steve surprised me by buying the first uh, nine issues, like the compendium volume one on uh, comiXology and dark Hawk's character. We've joked about on the show, uh, lovingly uh, since the inception of the show, but it's a personal favorite of mine. And Steve's like, well, let's talk about one of the comic books that you like, as opposed to, you know, Batman, Batman and Batman. I'm like, well, yeah, we could talk about um, a guy that dresses all in black and has a cable like that he shoots around. And he like he's like Batman adjacent. I'm like, yes, let's do that. So we're gonna talk about Dark Hawk. Um, I promise you all there's gonna be some Goldenham Hills, there's gonna be some context about 90s uh, Marvel. Uh, and also, um, you know, much like our Mortal Kombat conversation that I hope you guys enjoyed that last week, there's gonna be a little bit more conversation about what it takes to launch a franchise, I'm sure, because you know, it's the first like nine issues, right? So there's going to be things going on. So stick around for that. Uh, Steve has, has some superhero spectacular superhero synonyms, uh, later. Uh, so there, that's me teasing everything, Steve. So now let's get to what's going on in the front of the show, which is always weekend talk. So you watched, uh, tenant, right? Did you get through tenant? Yes. Or are you still yes, watching it right I, now? Or have you just started it for the first time again? <laughs> I believe I'm watching it now backwards while we're podcasting. So by the time we're done with this episode, I'll have finished the movie. Good. Or I'll be back at the beginning. One of Maybe. The two. I don't know. Anyway. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting movie. Uh, I certainly understand 
it's visually gorgeous and i mean nobody does crime drama and it it's not really a crime drama but if you've seen like the dark knight you know the opening sequence with the joker um robbing the bank like those types of sequences are throughout the entire thing uh, of tenet so like that stuff is really interesting i don't know that i ever buy the premise that they're selling me within the movie and part of it is you know we've come off of a month of me being like movies should be dumber where i'm like (laughs) stop trying to make these things happen just you know uh have the the giant lizard in, in the ape fight but like with tenant like they're really working hard to like push this idea of how time works and things being sent back from the future and I don't want to spoil too much, but like the whole conceit of the movie is based on that. And if you don't buy into that premise, the rest of it doesn't hold as much weight. Okay. Um, I think also part of the problem, this is, this is not to say that um, it's bad or the actor's bad or anything like that, but for whatever reason, I kept looking at the actor playing the main character and I kept thinking it was Chris red from Saturday night live. I think there's a striking resemblance there. Yeah. My wife I, didn't think so. I agree. I would agree with okay. you on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I just, I, I'm like, I keep seeing Chris red and it's not Chris red. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you're talking about John David Washington who plays the yes. protagonist in this. And he was, uh, Oh, was he the gentleman that was in black landsman? I think he was, he was, and uh, yeah, really I haven't seen that, that movie. Oh, he's really but, good in that. Yeah. During the discussion of like, why do I keep thinking this is Chris red? Kathy pulled up the IMDb. She's like, well, let's look and see what he's been in. She's like, Black Klansman is on our list, but we haven't watched it. She's like, so you probably don't know him from that. And I'm like, okay. And then she went through his filmography and I'm like, I've seen none of those. So and he's the son of Denzel Washington, by the way, is he really? Yeah, yeah. I just assumed he was British for some reason. I don't know why, maybe because of like Daniel Kaluuya and, um, whose name I just butchered. And, um, Oh, I feel like there's another actor. Um, the Bridgerton guy, like I, I just, I don't know, like leading men. I just always think are British for some reason. So, um, that said, uh, it's an interesting watch. It's, it's, if for no other reason, it's worth watching for the spectacle of it. Uh, I, and I will say that, yes, it's smarter than, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, but I never got to the point where I completely bought into the way the premise worked. And there's some some interesting things that happen with the movie where you're like, oh, I see why this connects here now. And okay, that makes sense. And I get that. And uh, you've got Edward the Vampire. Sweet. So, well, I I like I like Nolan as like a visual director. Like he does stuff that like is has, you know, you're just constantly amazed by what he can do. Right. However, and I've not seen Dunkirk. I've heard that actually does some kind of interesting storytelling things there, too. And I need to watch that. But I feel like he's getting to the point now where he has to be like, see how clever I am like that. Like if you can do that, but also tell me cool visuals and give me a cool story. Like, like I almost makes me feel like inception was maybe like peak tenant, not tenant, um, Nolan, um, you know, like for the kind of crashed on itself a little bit. Cause, um, Oh, what was the one interstellar? half the time in that movie, I'm like, just go F yourself. But the mo- the movie's like visually amazing. So I've been, I know tennis now on HBO uh, max and I want to watch it. I just didn't think I was in the right mindset this week and getting into it. 
Yeah, there's a a fair amount of great visuals within the movie. I shouldn't even say fair amount. It's it's visually gorgeous. Uh, I just never got around to really buying into the idea of it. And I think that that hinders you if you don't. Yeah. Um, so I, I wish I had some sort of like great, you know, I, I know. <laughs> and again, I, I'm comparing myself to uh, the eloquent El Goro, but like I could see him doing like a solid half hour, just explaining the plot of Tenet to me and being like, <laughs> Steve, this is why you need to understand that. This is how it works. And well, then he would give me precedence for everything and be like, you're right. No, that is right. Bring out but, the, you the, know, the felt board like it's a Sunday school class and explain yeah. things. No, d- dude, give <laughs> He's yourself. He's got a fire puppets. Yeah, give yourself like, more credit. Like, just. No, no, no. Know, I'm like, not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, I, for me, sometimes when I hear, like, my reviews lately, particularly on the podcast, because I. I, I made a uh, New Year's resolution that I would stop listening to myself to, so that I wouldn't critique myself in the future. I've broken that promise, I think, about a month ago, so I've started listening again. I, sometimes I'm like, that was my review? Like, Do you just need to sit there? Like, Do you like do you just listen to yourself but stare at yourself in a mirror like with the lights like dimmed down and you're just like just drinking like just scotch and you're just like slowly just looking at yourself? <laughs> you're like, you son of a bitch, why would you say that? And like, this is what you deserve. <laughs> like, <laughs> you break the mirror with the glass. Like, is that what happens? No, but I, I, I've been listening to your and uh, El Goro's episode of Talk Without Rhythm, where you're discussing Hitchcock, and I'm like, why can't I be like that? Me, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm. Well, I, 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 I don't have the vocabulary. I think sometimes to express the the things that I want to, or at least if I do, I, I, again, I. I, I if you gave me a day to write a, a good review or critique of Tenet, I could I could do it and do it well. But when you ask me off the cuff, like, what did you think of the movie? I'm like, I don't know, me not like it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not to say oh. that I didn't like it. I, I thought it was okay. I just it so, never got to a place where I really bought into the the central seat in the movie, which I think I've said like eight times. So what now. you're saying to me is that it would not have been worth it to risk your own life to go to the theater last summer to watch it. No, I, I would not have gone to, I mean, I guess maybe I would have gone to the drive-in to see it and it may have actually played. I think it but did. I, I, and I love Chris Nolan, but I still haven't seen, uh, the movie you just referenced earlier, uh, the spinning top, uh, um, uh, inception, inception. Oh yeah. I still haven't seen inception. Uh, you, do yourself a favor. Watch that. Like, the, again, it has it has a hook of you know like of a machine that does things right, but he just uses that as a way through. And there's some interesting, there's some amazing visuals there. The score is outstanding, uh, and like when the logic gets fuzzy, there's reasons for it. Like I, I know it's it's a like, and it actually has some good character motivation too. Like I'm just like you you after you've now seen Tenet, like you should watch Inception and realize that from what I understand, it's like I feel like that's him chasing that. Like so. Uh, Inception's amazing, um, and I and and I, I'm stepping all over you here. I apologize. And one of my favorite films of all time was Memento mm-hmm. that, that he made, and um, you know, so I can't. I'm not going to absolutely throw away, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan. And The Dark Knight's actually one of the greatest. Like, <laughs> let's be. It's one of the greatest comic book films. It's, it's just. It's a great movie. And like, not that mm-hmm. I'm saying that the two can't be connected, like or separated, but The Dark Knight made me like 
eat my eat my own words about like the current state of DC at the time, DC films. I shut the hell up after watching The Dark Knight. With Memento, I can honestly say that watching that film, uh, it was. I don't want to say revelatory. Like I'd never seen a movie like Memento before. I, I really was like, wow, this is an amazing first feature. I can't believe somebody put this out as their first movie. Like this guy is going to go somewhere. And he did obviously. Um, I do wish. And it, it, again, I haven't seen inception, so I can't speak to it, but my reason for not seeing Memento or I'm sorry, inception when it came out was, was just simply, uh, the all the divided, re, you know, not reviews, but people your, your who were like hatred of Michael Caine. I understand we've never <laughs> talked about it on the episode, but you, you're upset that he did Jaws the Revenge just for a paycheck. I know you've never let that go. I love Michael Caine. <laughs> so no, yeah. they uh, the thing that I, I I stumbled across with Inception was as I. I had some various people in my life who saw it and they all had different points of view, which you think would like get me to, to see it. But I, I remember not being overwhelmed by the trailer when it came out and overwhelmed. I remember not being uh, excited for it when, it, when the trailers came out, I, I don't have a good reason for why I haven't seen well, it. Again, it's I, just, I, whatever you didn't see it. I like, know it more yeah. by it's, it's, uh, is it a move is, is, you know, it, what's the debate at the end of the movie? I I've heard, I've heard it many a time. Is it the, the big, the big is thing it a dream is, or is it a not? Yes. Is it, is it reality or is it not? And, um, and there's a lot of people that will argue either way. And I think in this case, the movie works really well that it, you know, when you get to that point though, it, that's not the, the that, that's not the biggest thing. You know, so thankfully that isn't like, I do remember seeing in the theater and when, whenever that last shot, like speaking to your divided nature, half the people just getting mad as all get out. And the other half of us going, Hmm, <laughs> like, you know, kind of like, <laughs> like, huh, like there's a lot to chew on here as opposed to, I didn't get a black white answer, Brr! you know, like just, um, and not every movie, like, you know, sometimes if a movie, uh, this is a whole nother discussion, I guess, for another show. I think sometimes the films, um, they, they purposely don't tell you everything. So you can be like, well, you just got to figure it out for yourself. It's like, no, if you didn't give me enough connective tissue, you didn't do your job. However, if someone understands how they're doling on information and leave you in that gray area of like, well, you know, there's a lot to, to think about. I, I think inception does a good job of that. Uh, memento does a hell of a good job with that. A lot of like, um, you know, there's, there's this wonderful, like, it leaves the movie just kind of hanging with you. Right. And I think Inception's one of those. Um, like I would argue, I know there, it's another one you've not seen. It's not Nolan. And I, I always keep coming back to it. Like the film session nine. Uh, it's a, it's a smaller horror film that was made what, maybe like over like 15 years ago. Now the ending of that too, leaves you being like, where are we going with this? And it's very like very bothersome, but it leaves you like in the space of like, it could be a couple things. And that's wonderful. Um, I don't like black and white answers sometimes. Like um, my my wife Mary, um, I showed her like <laughs> one of one of my absolute favorite films of all time, and I know this is also for you as well, Steve. Is the thing? I adore the thing. Um, I don't watch it as much as I used to because um, not because I don't love it. It's just that when I show it to my wife, she's like, 
well, who was it? Was it Kurt Russell or was it Keith David? And I'm like, that's not the point. And she's like, but who was it? Like, she, <laughs> like she got really, she's like, I don't know if I like that. I'm like, I was almost like, well, our engagement's off. You can like, you just take your stuff and leave right now. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I went in a different direction, but yeah. Anyway. Um, so that, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes like a movie like conception, which you said the divided opinions, it's probably because it's a matter of personal preference of like, do they want, do they want everything tied up in a bow or they don't like, I I guess it's a matter of what, how you feel comfortable about it as a moviegoer. I'm okay with unanswered questions and I don't feel like there's unanswered questions in tenant. Uh, it's certainly got more of a, at least from what I understand of how inception ends, it's certainly got a much more, uh, I I don't want to say finite ending, but it has a a much more definite ending in the sense that, uh, it actually sort of ends in a way where you could say, well, if this is huge and he wants to do more of these, he can. Okay, nice. Because he set the stage. And uh, look, I, I wish I had a better reason for not liking it other than like, yeah, I never got on board with the premise. But I don't have some sort of uh, you know specific thing that I can go through detail by detail. I wish... I wish I had more of a astute review or yeah. at least more of a, if it leaves you detached, it leaves you detached, which I would also argue that Nolan's capable of, uh, stimulating like your brain, but not your heart, like in a lot of ways. And like, and like meaning it doesn't get your hooks into you, but you can appreciate what you saw. Like for me, interstellar him trying to like, I don't know, man, like there's like when he tries to really hammer home the emotional stuff, it's like, it gets really, really, really ham fisted. And I'm just checking out. Uh, I'll that. say that there's really no emotional stuff in Tenant. It's more of a uh, of a uh, trying to save the world movie. We'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, which I guess Interstellar technically is as well. But I, I would say that it's it's far more detached than probably some of his others in the sense that like it doesn't need an emotional resonance, but. I also wish that I could give more of a critique because I'll be honest. I hate it when you ask somebody why they didn't like something and they're like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Like, and it's not that I didn't like the movie. It's just that this idea of things going backwards in time and the specificity of it just never gets there for me. Or I'm like, well, why does that work? But this doesn't. So that's, that's my review. Okay, great. Uh, so, um, did you did you watch anything else? I mean, I know you watched some Joe Bob as well. Um, I, you did watch Joe Bob, right? It was. Uh, it I, was pri- I did. Yeah, Brian Reanimator. Here's where I become Mr. Critic, and I'm like, yes, the fine film that we discussed, <laughs> uh, Joe Bob, was Bride of Reanimator, like, the 1990 like classic starring Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> Yeah, your pinky just shoots out, and you're like, let me tell you, sir. <laughs> so the the first film was uh, Bride of Reanimator, which was kind of fun because I hadn't seen it in a while, and Jeffrey Combs, uh, like they're not because of COVID, obviously they're not having guests on set, but it was a TV that comes down and you know kind of has an <laughs> interview with. Uh, uh, Joe Bob. It's actually kind of funny because they have like a dummy set up like with the body and then the head is just a TV. That's funny. Um, so uh, he talks about the fact that, you know, he'd like one more crack at at, at uh, Herbert West. And I 
I actually think that he could do it. I, I think oh, yeah. that, uh, you know, in the era where Harrison Ford gets to make, you know, Indiana Jones five at age 90, I think, uh, you know, uh, Herbert West gets one more go round because they're not that costly of a movie to make. And I think that and, Jeffrey and Combs think, is a fantastic yeah, actor. I think he lived too at the end of, uh, was it beyond reanimator? I've watched all three of those like back to back actually for this show a number of years ago. Um, Here's my yeah. secret shame. I've never seen beyond reanimator. You're you're other than the, other than the music video called, what was <laughs> it? Um, like move those bones or whatever. That's like, it stands. It's so weird to the rest of that movie, but the, the song's catchy. <laughs> you're not really missing anything. It's like the premise is cool of him actually, uh, being in prison and, 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 and still doing experiments. Like that's kind of cool, but the movie's not that great. So you're not like, I'd say you saw Brad reanimator. I think you're good, but I think having another reanimator film with him as Herbert West would be amazing. Uh, those are movies that came to very late. Like I, I don't know. Reanimator always felt like one of those like uh taboo movies growing up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How, like I just, I just felt always felt a little weird to me. Um, and then I ended up watching it. And I was like, I, I thought it was a lot of fun and Brad reanimator. I think is uh even more goofy. Like the, the, the hand eyeball thing, the finger eyeball, that walks around is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's just, those are fun movies. And if people want something that's goopy, that has like a, just a black streak running through it. Uh, also, I like that the music for reanimator is definitely not the music from psycho at all. Cause it's missing <laughs> like just one little thing. Not really. Hey, ice, ice baby is not under pressure. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. In this That's case, the same mark. it's the vanilla ice defense. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I will say though, uh, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with reanimator for me, it was a movie that I also came to late because I saw from beyond we've, we talked about this when we reviewed it back on the, uh, I think two years ago. Now we talked about it for like Steve's picks of like favorite horror movies. Uh, we did it like all October long. I think maybe it was even three years ago now at this point, but I was always a reanimator. I'm sorry. I was always a from beyond guy. So reanimator was always in the back of my head. Like, Oh yeah, I'll get to it at some point. And I still prefer from beyond, but I think that he's so much fun and it's two different characters in those movies. I mean, I think that would have been a mistake had from beyond had he gone in with the same character as Herbert West that could have been potentially a bad idea. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I always go to from beyond because it's my go-to, but I think that reanimator, he's so fun and wonderful. And he's, he's so deadpan mm-hmm. is what I think is the best about oh, his character. Uh, Herbert around. West is a, he's a to B. It does not matter. It's like, well, it's like, you know, you got to consider all this stuff. He's like, why? Like, basically it's like, I, I, I want to see the result. I don't care about, you know, like what happens on the sides, like, you know, science for him, it's just pure science as opposed to there's no morality there. Like, and I think that's interesting because he's like anything else that anything it's, it's in between him and what he wants is not important. And right. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I like his character a lot. I mean, if he was a real person, no, but in a movie, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny. Jeffrey Combs is one of those actors who I don't think gets enough credit. Um, like the favorite uh, for me, the, my favorite thing that he's ever done is, is, uh, in the, uh, DC animated universe, uh, he plays the question, um, and he's got some amazing episodes of justice league unlimited. So I'm like, if I ever get a chance to meet, meet him, 
as tempting as it is for me to want to get a from beyond uh, either poster or Blu-ray signed by him, I think I'm going to have to get a question figure signed by him because he's his line deliveries as the question is amazing. So uh, big fan of Jeffrey Combs and uh, it was a good good night on Joe Bob. Second movie was a Australian horror flick called Next of Kin, which I have not seen. And if you're wondering, did I make it through the night to watch it? I did not. I was about 15 minutes in and I'm like, I got to go to bed. So question for you, um, uh, with, with the films, I know that they will put them up like the next day or whatever with uh, the Joe Bob, like, you know, um, handles on them. Right. Are those films also able to watch by themselves on shutter? They are. Okay, mm-hmm. good. You can watch them either with Joe Bob or without. Because Next of Kin is not one I've ever heard of, and that seems like that might be something I want to watch without any context just to get into it. And um, I could be wrong, but I think you can actually also just watch Joe Bob's spots if you want. Well, if you're that, like, oh, cool. I've seen like, this movie maybe, and I want to watch it without it. Yeah. I think you can do the reverse, too. I think you can do it both ways. Okay. No, Next of Kin seems like right up my alley. Um, it just the, the poster had my attention. It, I've never heard of it. It's like, you know, early 80s Australian horror. I'm like, sure, let's just try it, right? Uh, it seems like a lot of fun. Uh, and fun as in like my type of fun, which sometimes it's like, give me these, these kind of like more like uh slower, just, I, I don't know. There's something about like the late seventies of like slow burn, like horror that's taken like super seriously. That is just my jam. And I feel like that's a, a movie I could get into, but I do want to mention Jeffrey Combs. My favorite performance of his is agent Danvers and the Frighteners. That was, I think it was my first introduction to him. And I mean, he's also done like a number of Star Trek things, but I love Agent Danvers. Oh yeah. He's amazing in Frighteners. And I haven't revisited that in a while. I need to, need to. it holds up. I need to so revisit well. it. Yeah. Just him being the, the guy that can't handle a woman stock, talking strongly at him. He runs immediately out of the office, uh, the one police uh, office into like the washroom and throws up because he can't handle that kind of direct conflict. <laughs> oh, it's so great. He, just him and him confronting Michael J. Fox in the interrogation room is so good too. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Anything else that you got into this weekend? Uh, that was pretty much it. I spent uh, the rest of the weekend reading up for, uh, tonight's, uh, speech feature presentation. And then, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, yeah, I think that was mainly it. I think you hit the, uh, big points, if you will, of, uh, my weekend. I will mention the two things that I got into. One is I finished up invincible season one, episode eight, just came on Amazon prime. It is just I've talked about the brutality of that series. Um, it goes places that I was not like, I had not even considered of collateral damage of what happens when godlike beings throw down. It is just, um, it, it opens your eyes about like, like Zack Snyder is probably upset that he can't film anything like this. You know, so I'll say that. And I know you've not had a chance to watch Invincible. Uh, the first season complete is now on um, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's got renewed for two more seasons. It is, it's worth the watch. Um, but my God, that last episode was brutal. I know that uh, Robert Kirkman was the guest this last week on Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, and I held off on watching it because I'm like, I know they're going to talk about the yeah. ending of the first season, and I'm like, and I, I've got like eight episodes to watch, so I 
I, against my, or with my better judgment, I have not listened to it because like, I don't want anything spoiled for me because I've heard that it's a nice, especially since I haven't read Invincible, I've right. heard that it's a, a, a wonderful experience uh, going through that first season. I guess so. that was a book that ran for 15 years. Um, and they, they, he did the same thing that he did with The Walking Dead where he brought like, like they, he's not afraid to remix and pull points out to like, I think I really do think he understands the difference between print and like, um, like episodic content. Right. So I think he's able to be like, well, this is my baby, but we can, we can scramble its insides and still make something amazing. Um, and he's on board and I, I, I love that he is like, he's almost like, um, and I know, <laughs> Uh, you and I have talked about Mike Magnolia here on the show before in regards to Hellboy uh, in terms of like, you know, like whatever we, we you and I can disagree about art, artistic styles. Those first two Hellboy movies, um, whenever Magnolia was asked, it's like, well, they're not, you know, they're they're not really like your books. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that's not the same character Del Toro has went a different direction with it. And we talked about it. I think Kirkman's also aware of like, this is going to come across to people differently where, where where should we do this to tell a season of television as opposed to a monthly comic? And I think it works really well. I've not read the comics. It makes me want to, but it also makes me not want to because I don't want to know about anything going forward. I'm excited for what's coming next. I don't think we've really talked about Robert Kirkman in any sort of deep dive way. And I'll be honest, I haven't read the, a lot of his material. Like I, I had read... I think the first three volumes of Walking Dead when the series premiered, and I was like, oh, I'm going to stop now because I want to wait until I'm done and go back and sort of compare and contrast because I didn't want anything spoiled for me. It's probably safe now to just say, like, you should go back and read Walking Dead now. Like, I, I, I haven't watched the most recent season. Uh, I know it's just recently aired, or maybe it's still airing. I could be wrong on that, but... Uh, I, listening to him talk, I've heard interviews with him and just how much he loves comics and the way he's approached things. I, I, I gotta give him credit for being like, I'm ending Walking Dead. We're not going to tell you like he's just like, oh, by the way, this is the last issue. And <laughs> yeah. people are like, Wait, what? Like that takes massive balls. I just I'm so impressed with that. And also the fact that he he seems to really care about the the viewer slash reader, depending on which medium he's working on, and their experience. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be fun in the future to dig into some Robert Kirkman, whether it be Invincible the comic versus the show or you know, revisit the walking dead's first like season versus the first book and you well, know really compare the two. But I, I I think he's a guy who who just loves comics and is in a position now where he's able to spread that love and get it into other avenues. Well, here I'll I'll throw this out to you. Like I, I know, like Steve and I behind the scenes uh, when we're not like having knockdown, uh, you know, fist fights or whatever knife fights. I don't know. Um, that's all we do. We just fight, 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 and then we talk nice during the episode, and then we just hate each other the rest of the week. That's what because it, it's, it's the Michael Caine division. Um, there is a series that um, that he's he's done, Robert Kirkman, called Oblivion Song, that's about to wrap up this year, I believe, with issue thirty six. I've read the first trade of it. It is interesting as all get out. So maybe because that's more of a self contained narrative, maybe we should look at that. 
versus okay. something bigger. Because we like I've also I've had Steve spend money on comics that we've not talked about yet. Not Darkhawk. Um, there is a um, a larger series called Rising Stars that I want to get into at some point, but I want to do it justice. That there's like what it's it's about thirty issues, something like that. Um, that I want to get into some point in this year and kind of do a deeper dive. Um, so yeah, I think this would be getting kind of cool. me to rate a comic though is not money that I feel like is wasted. So never apologize <laughs> dude, for looking at your comicsology. Justin. I'm like, did you just did you just hit buy all? Like that's what I look. <laughs> at all I I'll be honest. Anytime I see a sale on comicsology, if it's something that I think either I want or that is something that I have in print, that I'm like. Oh, it's in a box somewhere, but it's on sale on Comixology so that I know that I have an easy access to it. I'll buy it. Like, for instance, right now, and we're we're recording this on Monday, May the 3rd, there is a sale going on right now for Star Wars comics for May the 4th, and they had stuff on there, like, ridiculously reduced. It was, like, 99 cents for, like, what you would say are complete you know, collected editions of certain things. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I have some of these in print. I have most of them in print, but it would be nice to be able to just pull them up on comiXology. And I'm like, you know, this is issue, you know, one through 12 of the Al Williamson series, which is my favorite star Wars series or artist, I should say. And I'm like, okay, well, I can pick this up for 99 cents. Why wouldn't I be? So that's my mentality when I see things in Comixology. If it's something that I either want to read or something that I read and have already in print that I'm like, I'd like to be able to like just pull that up if I want to on Comixology, I'll buy it if it's not <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I'm spoiled by the like the the clicking of like frame by frame and just kind of like it's it's just I I like it because like you get to look at the page right, but it's zoomed in to panel by panel, and I just like that look better. I don't know what it's just. I feel like I'm more immersed reading it, and mm. like I just just it feels like it feels like physical comics have been ruined for me. Not like not really. Like I could sit down and read a comic and I, I enjoy it as much. But I, I just like the be able to click through all that. But I look at your stuff and I'm just like, I get. I mean, it's like I have no reason to wander away. This is like, this is like the Elysian Fields. Like I'm home. This is my eternity now. Thank you. Like you know. I'll like, also like, say <laughs> that there are things in there that they'll like throw a collection up and it'll be like, oh, all of the Frank Miller, you know, Daredevil stuff, three ninety nine, and I'm like, well. Not not going to spend four dollars to get all of that to be able to read it digitally. You know, I have some of it in print and collected editions, but I'm like, why not just have it at my my fingertips? Oh. I I really am a shill for Comicsology when it comes to their their sales because it's so approachable though. Like it's just that, and the app is great. And if you have anything that like is a tablet. It's easy to read and you can take things to go and comiXology, give us money, please. Uh, so yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I have like, I have a, like I have a smaller iPad and it's like the perfect size though, right. To read all of that. So this weekend when I was reading the dark Hawk stuff, I was able to sit there and just like fire through it and it was great. Um, so yeah, and I was able to like a little get a little closer to some of the artwork and stuff too, which I'm sure we'll talk about because you know, we're only not even an hour, one of three hours tonight. I mean, Are we an hour in. Not yet. I mean, just oh, give, okay. give it time. Get, we haven't gotten a news yet. Give it time, Steve. Anyway, so, um, so yeah. Anyway, Robert Kirkman, Invincible. Check it out. And at some point, we'll talk about Oblivion Song. Which the hook on that, I'm not going to say it right now, but it's a really cool idea. And now that I know it's going to end on issue thirty, 
even better. They'll give us a chance to dig into him as a writer. Uh, Art's pretty cool in that too. And he's also doing the three image, which we've talked about image previously. Kirkman, you know, he, he may have been um, kind of like, I don't know what was the, the, the youngin brought in with that collective, but he's been carrying the torch and he's doing a good job. So I can't wait to talk more about that. Other thing I watched, just want to mention briefly, um, uh, is that it was Saturday night. I was just awake. I don't know. I took like a two hour nap Saturday evening. So I was just awake forever. I ended up watching the film because, you know, you just pick things randomly. It's a film from, I didn't realize that this was from, uh, what was it? It came out 2014. I thought this was a newer film. I, I, that, that, that matters. Cooties, the film. <laughs> it's a horror comedy where uh, some tainted chicken nuggets go out. And it's a thing that causes like kids that have not hit puberty to turn into like rage zombies. And this happens at an elementary school in which uh, uh, I was Elijah Wood showing up as a substitute teacher that day. Uh, it has... Um, it has Lee Wanell in it because he also co-wrote the screenplay, and I'll talk about him more in a second. Rain Wilson, Allison Pill, Jack McBrayer, Nassim Pedrad, um, Jorge Garcia, which we've not seen him recently, um, and it's just like all of them trying to fight like kids, and it's funny. Like I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not like the greatest film, but just seeing Rain Wilson as a PE teacher just just be a jerk to everybody, and also like. At, like at one point open up on a bunch of like kids in a, like a uh, recess and just like annihilate them. It, it was a lot of fun. That's funny. You say that. I didn't realize it was 2014. It's a movie that I've always had in the back of my head of like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it at some point. Cause I was just, you know, I remember watching the trailer apparently seven years ago uh, and being like, Oh yeah, that looks fun. That looks cute. I'll check that out. And I haven't gotten around to it. Uh, and it's funny to me that, uh, it's been that long, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I, I know anybody now I do, but I, I didn't know anybody who'd seen it. So, uh, it's good to hear that it's a, a fun time. It sounds like something that might actually be right up my alley. Yeah, they're not afraid of showing kids getting killed because they're like zombie kids and they just do, there is some just messed up stuff, but like the screenplay was uh, co-written by Lee Wanell and, uh, Ian Brennan, who is also in the movie. Um, I just, I, I think I put on my letterbox review that I hate that I'm starting to really like Lee Wan L like a lot. Uh, cause he's made some movies that have just pissed me off in the sense that he made the original saw dead silence, which I will argue with. Please. It's from 2007. Fight me. That movie is a hot pile of shit. I'll fight you on that. But he also was part of insidious. Like he's part of that franchise that people like a lot, which I've not seen any of those yet upgrade he directed and i really like that movie a lot and he directed the invisible man from 2020 which i've yet to see but i've heard nothing but great things about uh he is uh, a teacher in this film aside from being like one of the writers of the script the screenplay he gets the weirdest things to say the entire time and his his line delivery is amazing like at one point he says something to jack mcbrayer's character about like oh like, calm down. Like, I know you, like, you know, I know this isn't a thing that you do at nighttime or whatever. And he's like, how do you know what I do at nighttime? Like, you know, like he just knows these <laughs> things about everybody. He just like, and the way he approaches science and try to explain things, is just messed up. And he just says the worst, dumbest, horrible things. And I like his performance and I'm coming around to liking him a lot, even though I feel like he ruined cinema with the saw films for a long time. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've, 
Maybe we should do a deep dive on Saw no, at some point. Please don't make me fine. I've I'll only do ever it. seen uh, I've only ever seen the first one. Uh, but I just think the idea that like uh, Alright, sorry, continue. Is, no, the idea that somehow Saw being the franchise that it became uh to you was ruining cinema. It did. It ruined, it ruined horror movies for a long time. And if we want to have that conversation, we'll have it at a different time. Uh, for sure. Okay. But like, but like, uh, it was, it was what Lee Wanell and then, um, Oh, the other gentleman who, uh, uh, he worked with on saw. That's also the big, uh, uh, James Wan, who's went on to do cool things too. Like somehow they, they've went on to do like, like do good things or at least, you know, popular things but then they made the saw franchise which you know like hey you know it'd be cool if people just got cut up and the screen was black and every room was dirty you know like just anyway we, i here here's my hot take and then we can talk about this later saw was a great film when it was called seven that's my take on all of that um so anyway uh, but anyway, his part in, in Cooties and him writing the screenplay, a lot of fun. Upgrades a great film. I, I, I it's the it's probably the closest we'll get to a true Venom film. Uh, just watch that. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm looking forward to the Invisible Man. I've not watched that. I think you've seen it. Um, but Cooties was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I don't know that Cooties and Invisible Man are going to be really next to each other. I oh, think in a lot of all. people's rankings, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, and again, I haven't seen Cootie, so I don't know. But I'm just saying that, like, Invisible Man was was very much uh, a surprise, I think, for a lot of people uh, when it came out. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I think sometimes we we have uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, predispositions. I talked about this previously with like. Uh, Gold, uh, Kiva Goldsmith, which is he's a writer or she is. I assume it's a male. It, yeah, I believe uh, it's yeah. I always, whenever I see his name, I, I I sigh, and then I'm like, oh, it's the guy who wrote Batman for, and Robin. Like, uh, but he's also one of, uh, wrote Academy Award winning films. So I don't know. I I I. I I think that it, it's an interesting discussion and like maybe just to say like who are people that you think don't make good movies and what turned you around on them or I don't know I and again I can't say because I haven't seen all the Saw films I, I've seen one Saw film and <laughs> I mean, I am interested in seeing the, the, the new one Spiral that looks interest to me interesting to me so that one looks that one looks interesting for sure however they're still, it's just, I don't know. Well, that's fine. If we want to get into the saw at some point, we'll get into the saw. I have a, I have a huge, uh, chip on my shoulder for a lot of that. So if people, if people were upset that they thought I was angry about the blockbuster documentary, just let's get into saw. We'll, we'll see <laughs> some saw and we'll, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll put a pin in it for the future at some sure. point. All right. Anyway. So that, that was my weekend was, uh, um, cooties, uh, uh, dark Hawk and, um, I don't know, just living my life. It was my last weekend, uh, quarantined. So I was doing my best to, um, to like, you know, not run outside and hug strangers, you know? So, um, at once this episode comes out, I will be fully inoculated. So I'll be able to, to lick anybody that I want. 
Um, so that's from like, you just watch out world. It's going to happen. Look out. You never know when Paul's going to lick you. <laughs> ah, all right. So enough about that. Let's just get to some news. everyone for news which i know everybody's excited about uh i have a i have a confession that i need to make to steve and to everybody listening Ooh, confession. Uh, yeah confession uh so uh i i was told today at my place of work that we had um we like we're being spotlighted meaning like uh like like get to know you like our team like we're like we gotta write a little something about ourselves and whatever uh and they gave these like icebreaker questions and they then they said at the very end, it's like, well, what's one thing that you know you'd like everybody to know about you? And so what I said was, I hope one day to be a yo-yo master is what I wrote. Um, <laughs> which is not the first time I've written this in an icebreaker, like explaining myself. Like years and ago, it's true. I hope I didn't laugh too much. No, 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 no. So let me tell you why I did this. So. Uh, years ago when I came into the position I am in now, it's like, tell us something about yourself. And I'm like, like, I, it's like, I, I truly love the company I work for. I value like my, my coworkers, all that stuff. Right. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, guy on like the, like the corporate, like cor- culture part sometimes. And it's like, it's like, I don't know. Like I just, you know, it just, how many times can you see photos of everybody with their kids? I don't know. Anyway. So um, so I will kind of have a little bit of fun. So like at one point I admitted, like, I want to be a yo-yo master. Here, here's the conceit, Steve. This is what I like. The confession is one, like, I, you know, I, I don't think I owe a yo-yo anymore, but nobody can call you out on something that you aspire to be because you, you've not gotten there yet. Right. So someone sure. can't be like, you can't want to be a yo-yo master. It's like, you don't know my life. You know, so, um, <laughs> all right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the, so I'm going to ask you like, uh, cause I, I thought about this, like, you know, like, can't you just like anytime going forward, can't you just be like, I hope one day to own like, uh, 10 capybaras or whatever. Like you can't, you can't, you can just always like talk about aspirations and people are like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my admission. It's now recorded um, that I was just messing with. Like, I answer the rest of the questions pretty straightforward, but it's like, I don't know. Like, so I'm sure people will be like, I hope one day to be CEO of the company. I hope one day to own Boardwalk and Park Place. You know, like, great. Thank you. You know, so anyway, I don't know if you will. Uh, if there if there was something you could put down that, uh, like, it's, what, what do you, like, what do you, what do you aspire? Like, something, tell me, Steve, what's something about yourself that you want people to know? I'm going to steal a line from Crow from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I just would always write in, I want to decide who lives and dies. I love it. That's perfect. All right. So anyway, um, so this Yo-Yo Master here, let's get on. Like, I'm going to get to some news here. So, uh, so yeah, we're recording this on a Monday. Um, and finally, there's actually news happening that we can talk about. Marvel put out a sizzle reel. Um Marvel, sorry, Marvel films, Disney put us as a reel of like what's coming next, which these are things that we knew about. However, it was like a three minute video. It had like Stan Lee's narration and it. And so it's like, it's just hitting you right in the heart repeatedly. Uh, but it gives us the, like some release dates for some films and then also some additional things coming. 
And I can't tell you, Steve, I know that you're fully inoculated and your, your wife is too. And, and my, my wife and myself will be here through this week. Um, like, and also people out there, if you've not gotten vaccinated, get vaccinated. Cause you know, you should, um, I'm hearing reports now of like, like, I mean, not that like NBC's like flying birds into me or anything right now, like a sparrow, like game of Thrones style, uh, people are like not getting vaccinated. So like this whole thing could collapse. Isn't that anxiety inducing? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a report on John Oliver this week. Yes. About the amount of people who aren't getting vaccinated. And it's, it's very alarming. Yeah. I want to go to movies. I want to go do things. You know, I want to go lick strangers. That's like, you like we, we've put our time in. We've gotten, we've gotten shots. Can't we go lick strangers anyway? So uh, I, I have not been excited to go back to the movies for like, I mean, in the theory of like, as I can go out and function as a human being, right. That's been great, but there's been nothing that's been showing up recently where it's like, I got to see that in the theater. This is a real, it, it gave me like goosebumps. And I'm like, God damn, I want to go back to the theater now. Uh, yeah, I was right there with you. I, I mean, so it doesn't hurt the fact that they like, it's only a three minute clip, but they, Will they before they show you the new stuff? They end the clip with all the Avengers showing up at the end of Endgame, and the you know uh, the portals opening up. Uh, Falcon saying to Cap, "On your left," and then Cap catching Manolier and saying, "Avengers assemble!" Like wh- one of my all-time favorite moments in the theaters, easily in the last ten years, maybe of all time. Like I still, I, I marvel at Endgame for what it is. No pun intended. Well, that they, they said, showed the footage of the people in the theater, right? That night. That was great. Right, yeah. They, they show you, like, you know, people losing their, their shit in the theater as it's happening, which I was totally one of those people. Uh, not in the clip, obviously, but in the theater that I saw it in. Uh, that said, they just hit you with, like, oh, here's Black Widow. Oh, here's Shang-Chi. Oh, here's some Eternals footage. And, and granted, it's, like maybe 10 seconds of Eternals footage, but we haven't seen anything of it before. And then they're like, oh, by the way, also, you're going to get Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Or, I'm sorry. Um, no Way Home. No Way Home at the end of the year. And then uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Doctor Strange, um, Thor, Love and Thunder, Ant-Man and the Wasp 3, and I'm missing one in between those. So, so yeah, so we got, like, here's the thing, too, also. Oh, sorry. Wakanda Forever. Yeah, so Black I Widow, hope. July 9th. So that's, you know, we're, what, two months off from that. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, September 3rd. So that's that's going to be fun. Eternals, November 5th. So, like, two months after that. Not even, um, like, six weeks later, we get Spider-Man No Way Home and December 17th. So that's five weeks. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, March 25th. Um, Thor Love and Thunder, May 6th, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is great that they announced. I like everything about that just seems right to me. Uh, July 8th, I love that they're like Ryan Kugler's coming back and they're examining Wakanda after, you know, T'Challa is mm-hmm. no longer there. I think it's wonderful. The Marvels, November 11th, uh, which, you know, we've known Captain Marvel 2 was in production, but I like that. I, I, I just know that like Marvel has had these like, like, and Disney's kept this stuff like under wraps because much like um, when they announced Avengers, was it three and four? Then they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, that's just, it's going to be, you know, like that's when they called it, um, was it Infinity Ward Endgame? Like they had like temp titles that works for me. Uh, Ant-Man, the Wasp and Quantumania. 
uh, Guardians three and then Fantastic Four, which I they keep teasing, but they don't say anything about. Um, yeah, this is like I I'm kind of thankful for the pause and Marvel output, not because of the pandemic and people dying. I just feel like we were given such like so much to consume for such a long time. I think it's given us time to process and now I'll be excited. I think this is the best thing that could have happened for phase four in the sense of the delay. Is there a title in there that you're the most excited for? I mean, come on. Like I, uh, Spider-Man no way home. I'm excited for Dr. Strange just because it's Sam Raimi directing that it's going to get weird. I love it. Love and thunder, uh, uh Taika Waititi. And also, I mean, like, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Like, how could you not be excited for that? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I I, I I, think the thing that I sparked to you uh, was, one, the idea that Captain Marvel 2 isn't called Captain Marvel 2. It's called Marvels, which yeah. I was like, okay. But then I, I just remembered, I'm like, oh, we just got done watching a series called WandaVision in which Photon gets her powers. So I'm like, I'm assuming that's the other, other Marvel. However, there is the Kamala Khan series. That's going to be debuting on Disney plus. I think either later this year or beginning in next year. So I'm like, please bring her, which Marvels are we getting? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of stoked to see what we're going to get in that. And, uh, I mean, black widow, they have already got my money, obviously Shang Chi. I mean, they've got my money for all these movies. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's just like the point of the story isn't that like, oh, because I, I know I've been I've been hesitant to get into like trailers for things because um, I just I, I and this goes back to our conversation a couple episodes ago and, and forever of like I get tired of like, oh, you take a look at this and there's this going on. There's this like like and subscribe. Watch my reaction to this trailer. Um, this is speaking more to like, hey, everybody, like this is we're getting there. This is what's coming next. Like, it's almost like the, like the reward for like, you know, avoiding the snap, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to describe it. Like, like, and also because of this, since everything's been delayed, we're getting a lot of stuff quickly. Like we're getting, you know, we're getting, what was it? Four Marvel films. uh, this year, like that's crazy. Like I'm excited for that. I think also maybe the break didn't hurt in that regard because I think a little time away from it has made us that much hungrier for it. Yes. Uh, it's the argument that, and I, I, again, this is not a, a slam against solo or anything like that, but it was the argument against like solo launching so quickly after the last Jedi, like it had only been six months and people are like, can we have a little bit more time before we get more star Wars or go on another adventure? I think that, having the break gave us a little chance to be like, Oh, okay. We know what life is like without Marvel. We want Marvel in our lives. Let's go back. <laughs> well, then also getting WandaVision <laughs> like by itself and Falcon, the winter soldier. And I know we're getting Loki, right? Like, so we're getting, yeah. we're still getting this wonderful. Now we're getting a slow drip of Marvel. That's leading us right back into the films. Like I, like I'm glad these, these Disney plus series existed on their own without having the shadow of a, a cinematic release. Like, I think, I think it's cool and it gets me excited to go back. Um, I'm just hoping that post pandemic people appreciate the ability to go do things and they'll shut the hell up in theaters. That's all I'm asking for. Please make it possible. Uh, signed me, Paul. There you go. That's my letter to the universe. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Hey, 
I just wrote a letter to the universe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything's exciting. Like I, I, I'm not, there's not like a, there's not a um, questionable thing here. Like I'm down for all of this. Not, not even questionable. Like they, they're like, as much as um, like, I don't know, like here, here's a question to you. Like what, what has been your least favorite um, Marvel output since the, the merger? Since the merger, Ooh, what year was that? Was that like 2011? I don't know. Like they had the phase one, right? And then um, the Avengers was the first film that was released under the Disney name, right? I, I can tell you what my two least favorites are. And I will say that they probably both I would rewatch in a heartbeat over Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Um, so take that as you will, but like, I'll take that uh, as the right answer. Anyway, go ahead. Whatever you're going to say, go ahead. Yeah. Age of Ultron, uh, and Iron Man two were low points for me, okay. but like, they're still pretty damn good. They're yeah. Marvel movies are like pizza. And I know that this is an overdone sentiment, but like, you know, the whole joke, Oh, sex is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still good. Marvel movies, for the most part, even if they're not great, they're still pretty good. Like, there's still stuff in Age of Ultron that I really like. There's still stuff in Iron Man 2 that I really like. But they're probably my least favorite of the films. Yeah, and I've not revisited uh, Thor The Dark World in forever, so I need to revisit that one. Not that I didn't like it. It's just, I just have not watched it in forever. Um, So, yeah, like... I, I, the only the only things I really think they fall on their keys on, and I can't speak to it directly, is um, there was the the TV series. What was it? The Inhumans. That they oh, Inhumans. Out. I've heard that was terrible. Uh, Agents of Shield got better, and I, there's still two seasons I need to get to, um, but it got way better as it went along. And um, for the most part, I wasn't disappointed by the Netflix series, though I fell off from that too because I'm a bad watcher. I can say I didn't watch Inhumans, so I hadn't even included that. I didn't yeah. even include TV into your output, into the output. Fair but enough. like, yeah. I really loved um, Agent Carter. Uh, oh yeah, I need to finish season two. I'm the reason it got canceled. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's okay. They can bring it back as a Disney Plus show, and they should. Uh, I think also uh, Agents of Shields. I, I I think it was somewhere in the third season that I. I think I watched all the way through and I just never returned after that. Uh, whenever it came back. Oh yeah. I got it. Just, uh, I, I keep always saying the ghost Rider arc is really cool. It got, it got cool. The series got uh, better. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm trying to think like it's, it's really hard to like think of all that. Like I know Legion people really liked Legion, but I didn't watch that. Oh, and yeah, I no, no, no. I watched the Marvel. first like, That's that was FX. So you're right. I guess if you want to, yeah, I didn't even consider um, that. And um, oh, what was the other FX uh, mutant show that was only on for one season? Uh, it was was it the gifted? The gifted, yeah. And then there was what two or three seasons of Cloak and Dagger, and also uh, three seasons of Runaways, which I I should have watched because I feel bad for like it sounds like that was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, there's I guess there's a lot of adjacent TV stuff I've not gotten to. What's interesting to me is is that we live in a world where. 30 years ago, taking us back a step 30 years ago. To the world was, of Darkhawk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. There was one show uh, that ran from 1990 to 1991 that was comic book based, and it was The Flash, and it got canceled. We now live in a world where throw a, a stick at your TV, and you're going to hit a, a, a comic book show. Like, for instance, 
I stopped watching the CW shows, and I'm like, we live in a world where there's Flash, Supergirl, um, a Green Arrow show, although I guess that ended, um, a Superman show, and I'm not watching any of them. Like, yeah, and that's was it Legends insane. of Tomorrow season six just debuted this week, and I feel bad because that was fun, and I watched the first season. Uh, and we have, what was it, th- three or four seasons of Black Lightning, uh, Batwoman's coming out. Like, it, we, we are, like, and then also we're not even counting, like, the Hulu uh, Marvel anime stuff that's coming. Like, MODOK is coming. Yeah. Uh, and also, Which, like, shout out to Jeff Ritchie. For, Jesus, yeah. Did we like, talk about that last we week? We did. I can't yeah, remember. it's amazing. He, like, he just bow down. Uh, but, like, um, yeah, and then we're, and we're getting, um, oh, what else are we getting? We're getting the What If series from, like, Disney Plus. We're getting, it's just, Ugh, there's just so much out there. Like it's it's a wonderful problem to have. Uh, speaking cinematically, though, I don't think I've disliked any of the Marvel stuff. You're right; it might your mileage might vary, but I've never been like utterly disappointed by a Marvel film. And maybe I'm a honk, but I don't I don't think that I am. Like I think they all kind of do okay. And if not, like okay is the baseline, and then they go up from there. You know? Yeah, I do wonder if you know. Uh, perhaps my not watching it uh, is having some sort of effect. And then I'm like, I'm not that important. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I think you're the reason why a hellstorm got canceled after one season on Hulu as well. I think you're the reason for that. Anyway. Oh yeah, man. That's your fault. Like just my fault for agent Carter. But anyway, the main story here, it's, it's uh, cool stuff's coming. Can't wait. Um, I can't believe that Ant-Man now has two sequels, like considering like how everyone was on the bubble about that from the troubled production. That was probably the one that I was the most worried about coming out because it it went from Edgar Wright to, um, uh, Adam Payton. And you're like, how's this going to work? And I like Ant-Man. I like it a great deal. And then the second one just gets weird. And this sounds like the third one's gonna get weirder and having, uh, Paul Rudd and, oh shoot. Um, What's her name uh, from Lost? Kate from Lost. I, I damn it. Uh, what's her name? It is. Uh, is it Kate Austin? That's that's the character's name. That's <laughs> um, Evangeline Lilly playing the Wasp. Come on, bring it. It's it's so much fun, right? So. Uh, yeah, I, I can't uh, disagree with you in any sense of the word. There, I'm. I'm excited for it all. Bring it all, Marvel. There you go. So, all right, that's the main story. We got one uh, secret story here before we get into our discussion about Darkhawk. Steve does not know about this story. I'm going to read a headline to him. Uh, this does not involve uh, a grenade that was also a butt plug like last week. All right. However, it's not far away, and you'll find out when I say this headline. A man was hospitalized after the porta potty he was using at the historic Gettysburg battlefield was crushed by a tree. <laughs> this sounds like my kind of luck. Like I had, a, I had a buddy back in the day who was convinced that like the way he's going to go out is he's going to be on the toilet and have a heart attack. Okay, but if, if that's the case, sounds like it'll be my luck. What, uh, what attraction? Like what attraction do you do you want to be crushed by a tree and a porter John at? That's what I got to ask you. Uh, wow, I mean, I. I want to believe that I, I'm at like a, a concert or something cool and I'm not, you know, uh, at just the county fair. Like, 
like you you're, know, you're, like you're dragging your your elephant ear into the poor john and everyone's like all of a sudden like uh like i don't know uh the high striker collapses and falls on uh falls on the poor john i remember you know last year uh since we had the increased uh you know outings to the drive-in there were porta potties there and i i think i may have used uh one one or, or two times because they had not only the regular restrooms but they had uh porta potties and uh you know i think that's probably the first time i've used a porta potty in quite some time um other than an outdoor festival but i haven't actually been to an outdoor festival i think since Orion Fest in 2012, 2011. So, and Orion Festival is a Metallica held uh, festival that they put on. So, yeah, uh, I I don't know if you're asking me like what what <laughs> specific you know uh, like concert the, venue I'd no, like I'm just to say like if you if you were just like going like hey look. Oh, that's the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, but I got to use the restroom. And, it just, <laughs> if, and if it got away from it's like, you know, it's anchoring and it's rolled over top of you. Like, is that what's preferred or is it like, uh, I don't know, like, um, like the, the, um, was it the longer burger, uh, like a basket in Southern Ohio, like collapses. <laughs> I don't know. Like what? <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought of it in those terms. I had thought of it more of as you know a uh, pop culture event, if you will, or uh, uh, outdoor venue. Um, so, uh, wow, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. So let me. Read there's a little... there's no places that I I want to go that have some sort of weird, uh, you know, ball of twine esque <laughs> uh, sort of allure. Uh, it's just, it that way. As much as my wife likes uh, like odd little things, I'm, I'm probably going to die at an attraction somewhere. Like she wants to go to Pigeon Forge, uh, Tennessee, so badly, and that place just feels like a, a tourist trap. But people tell me it's fun. I'm like, I think something like nearby. It's going to like I don't know, like um, I I, I don't know some kind of southern themes thing is going to just roll through and kill me. I don't I don't have anything good there. Um, like a large pancake uh, full of bacon. I don't know, but um. So, so wait, let's go back here. Yeah. What's a pigeon forge? Pigeon forge. Uh, okay, fine. I'm gonna look this up. I guess we're. I guess we're delaying this uh, episode. All right, pigeon. So forge. much so that Mary wants to go there. Pigeon we'll forge, Tennessee. What is there? It is things to do. Let me look up. Here it has. Uh, oh, what is it? Um, Hatfield and McCoy dinner feud. I don't think she wants to do that. Dolly Parton stampede. Um, Oh, what was it a uh, comedy barn theater? I if she takes me there, we're getting divorced. <laughs> All um, those things sound awful. Um, what else is going on here? Uh, a red skeleton tribute. Okay, well that's good. Uh, Alcatraz East. What? Uh, no. Um, none of this sounds fun. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's just kind of like there's a lot of little weird things there and. Like, uh, there's a lot of, um, there, there's some stuff that she watches like on YouTube where people go to like different, like roadside attractions and things. Uh -huh. and I guess there's a lot of stuff there, but, um, Baskin Robbins fun center. I don't like maybe, um, yeah, I just, I'm looking through here. I'm, I'm not probably not looking at the right place. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I like 
doesn't sound like it'd be a place that I'd want to go to. Professor Hacker's Lost Treasure Golf. I don't know. I got what? <laughs> Smoky Mountain Massage Therapy. I just um, <laughs> Island Adventure Mirror Maze. I don't think that Pigeon Forge is an island, though, so I don't understand that. Um, yeah, Titanic Museum Attraction. Great. Anyway. You know, my wife wants to go on, and I don't know if this ever became a thing, but she mentioned like a while ago, she's like, yeah, there's going to be a Titanic too. I'm like, why would you want to be on that? Yeah. Right. Just, nope, I'm good. Just, you can name it something else. It's fine. But anyway, no, it's just, this feels like one of those places that it's like, oh, you can't afford Disney. Guess we're going to go to Pigeon Forge, you know, whatever. It just also Pigeon Forge sounds like that's where they make pigeons. You know, I don't like... It's like there's an anvil and a hammer, and they just like cobble together pigeons. Do we need that? Anyway. I would say no. Like, but you never know. I've, I've never really seen the nuts and bolts of a pigeon, so maybe maybe it's a necessary activity. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, so let me read a little bit more about the story, then we'll get on to uh, some dark hawk talk. Uh, okay. Um, first responders have rescued a man who became imprisoned inside a porta potty at the site of a historic Gettysburg battlefield, Pennsylvania on Friday, volunteer firefighters from the Barlow volunteer fire department, those volunteer firefighters are like, Hey, what do you think we're going to do today? I don't know. Maybe save, uh, you know, kids and a mother out of a burning building. And then someone be like, Hey, what if we just save a guy in a shit box? That's never going to happen. Anyway. Um, they responded to a 911 call at Little Round Top to find a large tree had toppled on high winds and crushed a car at a porta- portable latrine. Volunteers found no one inside the vehicle, uh, but identified that the tree had trapped a man inside the crushed porta potty and proceeded to cut him out. Um, the guy uh, was taken to the, the hospital with injuries not considered life threatening, other than his ego and pride had been ruined. Um, quote, here's a quote for somebody Arrived to find one male subject trapped in a porta potty. He was very lucky. It was a large tree. It just missed striking him. It could have been very serious. Yeah. Poor guy. Like, cause you know, you're a poor John, you know, you got, you know, you don't, you're not in your best. You're not your best self, you know? And then you have to have people come rescue you. Like how, how do you make eye contact that entire time? No one makes that choice on their own. <laughs> Nobody's like, you know what I, I want to do is, is I want to use the restroom in like the worst place possible. Is yeah. there a porta potty around here? No, because they always smell awful because yeah. they're nothing but chemical and bodily fluids is the best way of putting it. Well, yeah, and they're never clean, so no. you're never gonna walk in and be like, "This is the cleanest porta potty I've ever seen." And if you have, <laughs> I yeah. guess it's your lucky day. Yeah. The thing is, is that nobody goes into those things willingly. They're always a necessity. So there's never going to be a point where somebody's going to be like, this is the best Porta John I've ever been in. And if it is, that might be the saddest day of their life. That poor guy probably saw the wind. He's like, it's getting kind of out of here. That tree is creaking. He's like, yeah, I got a chance at, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So I don't know how I pivot that into a discussion about Pigeon Forge. Uh, my wife is not in my house right now. And if she listens to this episode, she's going to punch me square in the face afterwards. Anyway, so, um, you know, so I think that's going to do it for news. Uh, let's just get into, like, let's, like, we talked about the hope of Marvel and then the depression of a Porter John being crushed at, at Gettysburg, you know, like, um, 
Yeah. I want to say that it's kind of a metaphor for something, but I can't really put my, I can't put a finger on what it's a metaphor for, for a poor John being crushed at Gettysburg. Like, I don't know how to, like, there, I don't think there's a lesson there, but I, I feel like there should be. I feel like Ken Burns should narrate a lesson with that. I'm sure if you look hard enough, you'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. Blah, 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 Darkhawk. And now for our feature presentation. So, Steve, I'm going to let you set the stage because you said you did some research about the early 90s with comics and everything. So, please, let us know what we're getting into. Well, I think it's important just to look at what's going on at Marvel at this time. This is a Marvel publication, and I did look at DC to see what was coming out. And it's kind of striking to me now, looking at what was happening during this time, that I was such a DC guy. Like, I was in this weird period where... I had discovered comics uh, about two to three years previously, and I was still only really reading DC here and there. I wasn't uh, picking up really much Marvel. I think the, the at this time, I think what I was picking up was the Marvel. Um, oh, um, I don't remember what they are called. I feel like they're the first set of the Marvel series of cards. They are oh, put yeah. out by yeah. a, a company called Impel, I believe. No, the Marvel um, cards were cool. I like. I, I tried. I think I collected that entire first series at some point. But I was I was picking up those cards more than reading the comics, and then I, I just took a deep dive on what was happening at Marvel at this time that Darkhawk is created. So just to give you like a brief rundown, uh, you have uh, coming out in the month that this first issue is published. You've got the start of. Weapon X in Marvel Comics Presents by Barry Windsor Smith, which is, I think, for a lot of people, even though there's origin and other stories, like Weapon X is where you go when you're like, all right, if you need to know something about Marvel's or or Wolverine's origin, here's the story you read. And that's Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X. Um, So that comes out this month. You also have Todd McFarlane on his own Spider-Man title. Spider-Man number eight is out at this point. You've got Jim Lee on Uncanny X-Men 274 before they launch his own X-Men title. You've got Rob Liefeld, who admittedly not a huge fan of, but uh, New Mutants 99 comes out. This is, uh, I think, issue 100 is the last one before mm-hmm. they launch X-Force. That's, I think you're right, yeah. Um, you've got uh, Dale Keown on Incredible Hulk number 379. Uh, Dale Keown, I think, for a lot of people of our age group, and I, I think for, and I'll probably get beaten down by the for this, but I think that like Dale Keown for a lot of people is their Hulk artist. I oh think yeah, he's the guy that they he, go he, to. That's that's my yeah. That, I I love Dale, Dale Keown's Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, you had you had Ghost Rider uh, number 11 coming out with Mark Texiera who you met and had him actually do a sketch of Ghost Rider on a cover for you. Uh, you've got Wills Portaccio, uh, who was working on X-Factor at the time. You've got Eric Larson working on Amazing Spider-Man. You've got Greg Capullo working on Quasar. Like, this is Image a year before Image, like, launches. Yeah, before uh, before all that talent, which you talked about, like, uh, jump ship from Marvel, and they do their own thing. So this is, like... Um, but this really the, is, this is like I was looking before through. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. I cut you off. I was looking through just the amount of names and people who were working at Marvel at the time. And I'm like, holy crap. Like this was all happening at this time. 
that this this comic is created. And I also think that this is like to to throw one other uh, name out there that was at this time. I think uh, Jim Valentino was doing Guardians of the Galaxy at this mm-hmm. point before he uh, uh, went over to Image. Um, it's because he did the he did the the update in the nineties of the Guardians, which. That's it, it, not the same one from the movies, other than Yondu. It's not the same Yondu, so everybody don't like. It's it's very nineties. I'll just say that. But anyway, so yeah, there there you're right. There was this like this. Um, this is the time when Marvel like they had everybody there. It was almost like whenever you watch like uh, you see sports where it's like you have all these people and then like you can't keep them under contract and they just leave and then like like the company kind of craters for a minute. This is kind of where you're at. I think that's I think that's a good way to state it. You're, you're talking like a dream team at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know that you get bigger names all working on these titles. Maybe at some point you do, but wow, it's literally like hit after hit after hit. Like, they could do no wrong at this point. And then Dark Hawk gets premiered. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink as you said that. I thought you were going to. No, no, no. I'm just, I feel like at this time though, like I, I, you know, it's like, Hey, all this is going on. We keep getting bigger and bigger. There was a comics bubble that was developing, right? There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, the rivalry between, uh, Marvel and DC Marvel is also like, I like they were making money, but I also understand that they weren't the, the most financially solvent company for a great deal of time. Uh, but they're, they were throwing a lot of stuff out there to see what would happen. And there's this, I have a soft spot, for a lot of like these nineties, like heroes that came out up uh, because I was in middle school and high school, like during this time. So for me, like not that continuity was like intimidating, but it was nice to find an issue one to kind of find something else. Right. So yeah, I think that Marvel also saw that where it's like, well, if we make more characters, then, you know, we, we can make more, more series. And that's where we get some of these nineties, um, additions, right? And, uh, there, there's, there's two that are near and dear to my heart, uh, dark Hawk and sleepwalker, which I've talked about both of them a little bit here on the show. But, um, I think that Marvel at the time, they, I think they were doing their best to be like, Oh, it, you know, we have our established characters. Let's try to make more, but let's definitely follow the formula that we've done previously with what we were making. And so I think that these characters were kind of already assigned like predetermined, um, arcs. I mean, they're writing, right? So everything's predetermined arc, but I'm just saying like, Oh, this is going to be the Spider-Man type. We're going to put a couple books out where like this kid has problems and he has to overcome them. I think that's what was going on where they're trying to recreate Spider-Man. That's my thesis. Um, it might be a little flawed, but I think that's where we're coming from. I don't know that that's a crazy uh, idea. I, I think that they are at a point where they're trying to branch out. And I think, uh, you know, the name Darkhawk, it feels very 90s. It feels very much <laughs> in line with where comics were at that time. I mean, you mentioned Jim Valentino. A year later, he's going to launch Shadowhawk. Yeah, which that name doesn't a pale sound comparator. No, like, right. No, like, um, yeah, you know, it, it very much feels in line with where comics were at that time. It, it, it seems almost Im- like made for image it, it, when you hear that title. But it's very much a Marvel character once you actually get into reading the character. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, how many uh, different characters they had 
introduced during that period. You know, I, I feel like every year they at least try to launch new things and try and get things to take off, uh, whether it be like, for instance, you know, I think Deadpool was popular, but I don't know that Deadpool really becomes Deadpool till like another 10 years. No, you're right. You know? Yeah. And I, I, see, um, I see people celebrating a 30th anniversary. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, it's the joke with Conan O'Brien when Mr. T brings out the, uh, the, the seven necklace. And he's like, but he's like, he's like, Conan's like, but Mr. T, this is my 10th year anniversary. He's like, yeah, you've only been funny for seven. Like, I feel like right. that's the Deadpool thing. I'm like, yeah, you've only been Deadpool for 20. Right. And I, I, I feel like, you know, particularly with with both Marvel and DC, I, I feel like maybe Marvel would have let things go a little bit longer to try and let them find their legs. Because I can think of a lot of DC properties that were new series that suddenly became mini series. <laughs> because by the time issue four rolled around, they, they didn't have the numbers. And, uh, you know, DC is is quicker i think to cancel this period than marvel is i think marvel at least gave time to these these stories to breathe and these titles because i i don't have it in front of me unfortunately but i do believe that dark hawk goes for a number of, of issues it's it's not past i'm sorry at least probably the three-year mark it, it makes it somewhere into its 30s right i believe so yeah yeah um Whereas I think with DC, a lot of it makes it like just six issues. And if it's not an instant hit, they cancel it. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying is valid. Um, so, um, uh, where do I go with this? I, I, I think, um, we talking about like the name dark Hawk and like, you know, was it shadow Hawk and also this, like this nineties thing, this there's also to, to a bigger degree. Do you remember? Uh, cause I know you're such a sports guy. There was like this transition from like cartoony, brighter color um, sports mascots to like darker, like black, silver, teal, like everything had to have like a little darker look to it and a more aggressive team logo. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're if you understand like what I'm going with, like with the Broncos, they changed to a more of a like an aggressive looking horse head. Um, the Patriots changed that Colgate Patriot, whatever. Um, and like the expansion teams that came in the NFL at this time, which were the Jacksonville Jaguars and then the Carolina Panthers both had black as a predominant color. Like there was like this shift to more aggression that was kind of happening. The extreme, if you will. Um, and I feel like that was also kind of invading, um, comics as well. And I think because people wanted a little bit more edge because the nineties were supposed to be edgy, right? Like maybe I'm wrong, but I always felt like that was like, you don't even know get to the edge well yeah you, you're absolutely right particularly once we get to image comics a year later everything's edgy and gritty yeah so i mean i can see how they would appeal like this this is where this character would kind of show up and with that being said here's what i found out today so i learned a thing today uh mm. dark hawk was created by mike manley and uh tom defalco which tom defalco like you know pretty big name you guys should look him up uh, very important to Marvel. Uh, but I found out that he was actually responsible for um, the black suit Spider-Man. And I actually ended up writing after Secret Wars came out, wrote a, a, a big run involving the black suit that eventually would become Venom. So do you like when you see Dark Hawk, who is this character design, all black, like 
basically like a motocross or BMX helmet, you know, uh, has a claw hand and has all these crazy powers. Um, like it's like, Oh, it's black. And just like, he's this edge on crime. It's like DeValco liked his, um, his, his moody, dark suited characters. (laughs) I could probably agree with that. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, for me, going into this, I, I hadn't realized that about DeFalco. My point of reference was Mike Manley, yeah. who, after Darkhawk ends, or whenever he leaves Darkhawk, we should put it that way, he uh, ends up on Batman during the whole uh, Nightfall uh, situation. Actually, I think it's actually it's it's he 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 works on Batman from the point that Batman's back is broken until Bruce Wayne returns. So he's doing all of the issues of Batman that involve John Paul Valley or Azrael as Batman. So that was my introduction to him as an artist. Uh, but Tom DeFalco, I hadn't realized was actually behind the impetus of the, of the black suit Spider-Man, but he's a huge name. Who's, you know, been in comics forever. Like I, I don't know that, uh, I can pinpoint when his career starts, but it's one of those names where I'm like, yeah, that's that's a big name, and I'm I'm aware of it. Yeah, no, I just um, I like that he was a co-creator of this, but then also, what was it on, on that Spider-Man run with the black suit that him and his uh, his artist got kicked off because they couldn't meet uh, deadlines, but he becomes an editor for Marvel, which I think is mm-hmm. funny. That's like you can't meet deadlines. Did you want to be an editor? Yeah, we can do that. Um, looks like he was also a creator, um, a chief designer uh, for Dazzler. So, all right, that's that's a little different than um, Darkhawk. But anyway, uh, this character, like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, um, this, I know uh, you, I've talked about it often. Um, it's showed up in different iterations later. There's a Marvel Legends figure out there that I own, and I look at it every day lovingly, and I have to just, like, you know, just stop every day and play Endless Love and just look at my Darkhawk figure for, you know, a few minutes. Um yeah, you, you bought this book for us to talk about. Um, this character kind of exists in the early 90s when things are sp- supposed to be darker and edgier. Um, so in terms of, I know you know the artist because of his Batman work later. Um, I guess I'm just going to ask you, um, like, what what is your thoughts and feelings about, like, this initial little nine-issue run that doesn't give you all the answers, and I don't think it's supposed to? Um, like, how do you feel about it? How do I feel about the run overall after well, reading the, the first nine yeah, issues? Yeah, like the character abilities, where they kind of placed him. You know, like when I say he's a Spider-Man um, ancillary, he's a kid. You know, this, the, the main character is his kid, Christopher Powell, lives in Queens, doesn't have the best life. Uh, he's seen like, you know, things kind of turn sideways with this family. He's just trying his best to balance everything. That's why I call him Spider-Man, right? Like he's kind of, he's kind of also his first villain, he fights his hobgoblin, right? So they're putting him in familiar territory for people to understand the character with a setting that Marvel readers already know. I will say that, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The setup for Spider-Man is sort of all there in the introduction of dark Hawk. There's everything from, you know, uh, somebody actually saying not, not to the exact same words, but somebody saying essentially with great power comes great responsibility. And I think it's more like, 
being Darkhawk is really like a thing where you got to be it's responsible. super important. Yeah. It says the wino that wanders in the darkness. <laughs> He's got, you know, the, the um, teenage background, you know, much like Peter Parker did at the, the time trying to deal with, uh, you know, being uh, a superhero and a teenager. He's got uh, a father who runs away, who is a cop who you think is on the take, but then you're not quite sure. Uh, and he's missing for, I think, after issue one. He's gone until issue nine maybe yeah. the very end of issue nine you don't find out really what's going on with him and to be fair you still don't really find <laughs> out what's going on with him at yeah. the end of issue nine but he's not really brought up until that point um all the things that i think sort of build into that sort of like new character who's becoming a superhero all the tropes that stan lee had kind of put into spider-man i think are evident in dark hawk okay but so in terms of origin, you got this kid, Chris, who like lives, I, I guess, next door to an, like an amusement park is about to be condemned. Uh, and um, we get these like twin stories of the hobgoblin uh, going to a crime boss to be like, you need to find this thing for me, this object of power. And they're like, yeah, we're going to figure that out. So it becomes like it's trying to be a street level story, but also like um, a little bit bigger with the hobgoblin. And then Chris, who finds his dad's on the take, uh, he also looks up to his dad because his dad's frustrated by being a beat cop, saying, I wish I had an edge against crime. Um, and we also find out that Chris's mother is this, um, a, you know, very attractive redhead because that seems to be, you know, it's a Marvel comic. You got to have that. Who is a, um, a um, district attorney that's trying to prosecute um, this mob guy who is the blandest mob guy ever. Um, that what's his name? Um Basin, Basin, yeah, Basin, Basin, Basin. Um, basin? Yeah, I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. As in, like, like wash basin. I don't know. Anyway, this like, this like, like the kingpin would just squish him. Like, just be like, you're done. We're done here. Um, but you get like the street level stuff, organized crime stuff, and then you get like other things going on. We get Chris in this fun house in this this park that's about to be demolished, and he is freaked out because these mob guys are going after him and his his younger brothers. And he finds uh, he finds an object to attack them with, stuck in this funhouse. It's an amulet. Three inches to the left, he would have grabbed like a crusty old um, like clown doll. But somehow, <laughs> you know, like you know, it's like I've worked at the amusement park. I know what the shit was in the back rooms. There was no power amulets there. I wouldn't be having this. I would still be out fighting crime right now, you know. But like the odds of that, I mean, I think that's spelled out later that it was kind of like you know, kind of destiny, but. Uh, for an origin story, it's like, hey, I found a triangle that makes me into this powerful guy. You're like, huh, is, does that hold up? I don't think it does. I mean, I trust me, I'm biased. My phone lock screen is Darkhawk, and when I unlock the phone, it's a different picture of Darkhawk. <laughs> I have more photos of Darkhawks than the Darkhawk than I probably do of my family on my phone. Um, it's 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 not the best origin story of grab a thing and become a thing. I think what's interesting about the character, and I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, is is that I saw parallels between uh, Dark Hawk's uh, Dark Hawk's origin and the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner's origin. Both of them, admittedly, Green Lantern's has a little bit of a more 
Um, God, I don't want to go so far as to say realistic because it's not realistic at all, but Green Lantern had already existed as a character, and when Kyle Rayner is offered the ring, it's literally at a time where all the Green Lanterns are gone, and a guy shows up and is like, here, take this ring, and he's just left with it, and he's got to discover the powers that are involved with being a Green Lantern and what that means, whereas with Darkhawk, it's more of a he discovers the amulet and he's got to figure out what the powers are as he's going along. I do wish in reading this, and again, this may just be biased because I enjoyed that uh, Green Lantern run of Kyle Rayner when he first started, was that I wish there had been a little bit more fun and excitement to him discovering powers. Like Sometimes it's only just a caption in with, within a panel He's like, oh, I've got a shield that comes out of my chest. Cool. And, like, you never really see him exploring it and seeing what the suit can do. I wish there had been more of that. But I think between the two, I think that there's absolutely a correlation of two characters who are being given this object that makes them a superhero and then them having to go on their own journey to discover why they're a superhero what they think being a superhero is yeah i mean at least there's that bit of him like of chris trying to drive that clunker of a car like a full speed and then him jumping out and, and flipping into the dark hawk suit and trying to like you know hone his powers a little bit at least there's that but then it ends up causing like this huge fire and then the cops show up and they're like oh it's okay that was the drug house he's like cool like <laughs> yeah, that is very weird and very 90s <laughs> yeah like the fact that like the cops know that he's a cop's son but then like the most of the cops are like yeah but his cop his father was crooked but it's like yeah but we're still okay with the kid. <laughs> like there was a lot there that like, so, I mean, I, I know I'm making fun, but like for whatever reason, um, the, the like, so I'm going to ask you here, the, here, um, what do you think of the design of the character? I actually like the design quite a bit. I, I will say the claw. There's a times <laughs> where they're like, what we're going to do is, is this is a cable claw, but we're going to make it look like he's Wolverine running with just one claw out a lot of the time. And actually one of the things that I'll say about the artwork overall is, is that Mike Manley, I think is, I, I wish this book would have been black and white. Like the coloring of the time really, because they don't update for these books, folks at home who are listening. If well, you've yeah, ever yeah talk about that. I'm, I'm stuck stepping on you. you. You said to me, I think we weren't when we weren't recording last week uh, after we're done recording that you were curious about the coloring of the book. Uh, I feel like this is a very nineties book in that too. I know that you do coloring for your own comic and you, you've been learning a lot. Um, what is about this coloring that, that um, not it, what, what is it that your, your critiques are? You're about to get into it, but I think that's so important to talk about. my critiques of the specific comic are, there are times where I'm not sure what color hair Darkhawk has or the main character has, because it'll be three different colors and three different panels, um, which is not really something that I think a lot of readers pay attention to. I, but I like overall, the idea that Darkhawk has hair, but not Chris. Like uh, you're talking about Christopher okay, for having hair. Chris, I, I like that Darkhawk. Yes. He's like rocking like a mullet with this helmet on. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, and he gets a haircut. Uh, about five issues in yeah and they have to write a scene in about him like talking about his hair yeah. which makes me wonder like if there was an editorial thing where they're like 
oh crap, you you drew six pages of him with short hair and he hasn't had a you know haircut. <laughs> Let's write some lines in. Yeah. Um I I could be wrong. I I don't know that for a fact, but that's the way it felt. Uh the coloring though is very vibrant. Like you guys gotta understand comics when they were printed you know the the printing process has evolved drastically over 30 years and there was limitations so like if you chose a red man it was 100 percent um magenta and boy oh boy did that thing pop like it was like here's red and boy oh boy is it it's it could be the red of somebody's tongue or the red of say cyclops's visors ripping into a person like there wasn't a lot of in between with the coloring and in reprinting these books, they've got the original colors, but when you're looking at them on a screen, there there's, they're not being desaturated by the printing process. Like one of the things that I think is appealing to me about coloring for older comic books, when you look at it on a printed page is there's a desaturation that happens. You don't get that with this. So like if the, if the colorist chose yellow, you're getting a hundred percent yellow. Like you're not getting a gradation, you're not getting, and it happens actually a lot of times with faces where they're like, yeah, there's supposed to be shadows here, and there's supposed to be uh, indications of light changes, but instead we just did half the face pink. And you're like, wait, <laughs> what? Like it, it it works against the artists, I think, uh, and I, I shouldn't say the artists because they're all artists, but the penciler inker team a lot of times seeing these things the way they they were originally printed i wish that either we could get a version of this where it's like here is a facsimile edition which is this is how it looked on printed paper uh or we're giving you the black and white version of it because i think that sometimes the look of the book uh and the hard work that's being done is undermined by the limitations of the coloring process at the time that the comic was produced. Well, and I know that you and Ryan, 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 uh, make a conscious decision to make your book look a little more desaturated, right? I mean, that's not, is that the right mm-hmm. words? I think I think that's, that's the right that's word. That's right. Yeah. I uh, mean, to make it more look like something. How- yeah. To make it look like the thing you would find on the news rack. Right. And I think these, for these books, when I bought them, they had that, it, it came across in the printing. Um, I didn't think about the coloring so much. The palette's a little, it, it just feels like a nineties book. Like I, I'm, I'm not cultured enough to talk about that, but it felt like a nineties comic to me. Like, I think now coloring is like, it, it's just advanced so much that they do amazing things. And this feels like it, it feels of its time. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, but I like the character design. Um, I'm never not going to like the helmet. The helmet's cool as get out. I like the, the glider wings that suddenly show up. The, the claw hand, I agree, is, uh, sometimes Wolverine, sometimes, uh, claw machine, whatever. Um, I like, th- I, I also like that this is like, uh, how, um, this other body has like, uh, foot pads on the bottom of its feet. Like, it's like, you know what? This dark hawk, uh, body, it's definitely going to be outside. We're going to make sure that it has, uh, some tread on its feet. Like, <laughs> I just like, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool look to me. It, it, it's also like very reminiscent of like, was it battle for the planets? Um, or what else is that? What was it called here in America? Um, Oh, that anime from the sixties here. I'll look it up. Um, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say stuff now. What's it called? Um, not looking. Oh yeah. It was uh, called 
Oh, shoot. You, you've seen it. It's Geoforce? Um, Geoforce. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's, it's called Battle of the Planets uh, in Japanese, but got, or sorry, Gotcha Men. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the bird outfits they'd wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I think that's, I, I think it's very reminiscent of that. Um, I think that this thing would look pretty cool uh, cinematically. However, the problem would be uh, you'll never see a mouth move, you know, but anyway. So we got Dark Hawk being this extreme, like, you know, outfit. Uh, Chris, um, like, I want to be sympathetic to Chris of him balancing, like, you know, his home and school and everything. Uh, Chris comes off like a dick through these nine issues. And. <laughs> wow, I didn't get that. So that's interesting to hear you say that. Well, because he's just, he's just being angry this entire time, which, again, he's a teenager. His dad's on the take. And he's like, well, maybe my dad's right. Maybe I need to be a vigilante and kill everybody. And it's like, but then, but we get like these Marvel, like the Marvel elders show up, right? We get Spider-Man to show up and then we get uh, Captain America and Daredevil to show up. And then we get the Punisher, like after all this, where it's like, and then we get Chris kind of coming out of that and being like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't kill everybody because he never did. But it's like he was he was like this like angry, like I should just kill them all. And Spider-Man's like, don't do that. And then like he makes he makes a lot of he takes a lot of risks. And I like that we see uh, Captain America and Daredevil being like, oh, shit, he's committed us. Like, you know, like, guess we got to go be heroes in this way. And even Daredevil's like, yeah, my emotions got the better of me. Like, where else would you have seen this conversation in a comic like this um, before then? I don't think there would have been that big of in depth of like Daredevil being like, those guys are holding babies a hostage. I went batshit. I'm sorry. I think, though, looking at those issues, I think what you're seeing there is, is Marvel's desire to make this character take off. Look at the first nine issues. You get appearances by Spider-Man who pops up in two issues. You've got Captain America, Daredevil, and Punisher all within the first nine issues. I think the only way that they could have really tried to make this thing happen harder was if they were like, Wolverine's in this issue. Like, I'm kind of actually surprised that they didn't have, you know, either. And I guess at this time, variant covers weren't such a thing, but you know, a Jim Lee cover or something to kind of bump this thing up, because I really do feel like they're trying at least with the characters that they're bringing in to, um, involve the audience in, in to this character, into these, into this book is what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, it went from character to characters to book, but I think (laughs) really they're trying to show their support for the character as a book and make it take off. Uh, and personally, you know, at that time, I think that the only way they could have they could have gone bigger was if it would have been the X Men. That's fair. Um, just so teaser after the the night issues, uh, there's a six issue arc in which uh, Tombstone shows up and rips the amulet out of Darkhawk's chest, so he's like stuck in the body. Um, and so then after he rips the amulet out, uh, Venom shows up as well. Like so. Mm. You get Darkhawk facing off against a lot of like Spider-Man and like Daredevil guys, right? So, um, it, so it's just one of those things where it's like I, that's why I keep saying they're trying to do this in the vein of Spider-Man. Uh, it, again, brief aside, uh, same thing like Sleepwalker. Spider-Man shows up there, 
Um, they keep trying to sneak in like other villains and other heroes to be like, yeah, you got, you know, it's the guys that you like, it's fine. You know, but yeah, you bring in like your heavy hitters of Spider-Man, uh, Captain America and Daredevil. Right. And your first villain showdowns with Hobgoblin and you're a kid from Queens. I, 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 they're really trying to like ground this person, at least emotionally that you can get behind what's going on. And then they'll get to the weird stuff of like, oh, you have this amulet that switches you into another body. Like your consciousness goes into this body that has powers and abilities. And when it gets damaged and when you, when you switch out of the amulet and switch back, the body's like completely repaired. Like it creates an interesting mystery. And I like the idea that he finds out, Chris finds out that he gets, what was it? Um, shot in the leg. And he's like, I'll just, I'll just switch back to dark Hawk and I'll save the day. And he comes back. He's like, Oh, my leg hurts. It's like, yeah, your human body can still get hurt and it's not going to get repaired the same way. So at least there was that. But I want to say like, when I say Chris was kind of a dick, like he was, um, kind of a jerk to his friends. Like, I don't, I don't like that. There was the one friend that wore headphones. They kept calling him headset. Like he had a name <laughs> that felt weird to me. It's like, you literally have a name and you didn't really use it. Um, also like how, like his, his, uh, twin brothers, were kind of annoying as all get out, but he was also kind of mean to them sometimes, but it's like he was, but, but as dark Hawk though, can I also say that? Like, I don't know if it was purposely done. Uh, if it is, then it's, and I think that's, that shows a hero in training. His, his quip game was terrible. Did you notice that where he just burst in and be like, time to punch bad guys or whatever you'd say. It's like none of, nothing that he said was like a catchphrase or quotable. It's like, I get it. You're new to the scene, but just because like, you're this impressive, like, you know, uh terrifying figure, like maybe it's better to not say anything at all. Cause I don't know if Batman's got quips, but he knows to shut the hell up and punch people. It would have been funny had they had Spider-Man at one point taking a second be like, Dude, I know you're new to the superhero thing, but the quips thing, not really. You can't be like, it's lunchtime. Like, that's not, nope, that's not, (laughs) that's not a good quip or, you know, bad guy fighting time, you know, only if you're the thing or Deadpool, can you get away from both, like with both those things, (laughs) like, um, but his, his quip game was terrible, you know, but, uh, but he was just like, yeah, Goblin, I got something for you, my fists or whatever he says. Like, it was just, it was so bad. His quip game, like, what did I see in this guy other than a cool outfit? Um, but I, I just, I don't know. Like, I like the mystery. I like the idea that whatever was going on, he didn't quite know. Um, and he also raised questions of like, yeah, but what if I get stuck in this? There's the mystery of what's under the helmet. Um, that's, that's all good. But like, I, I'm glad that you brought up, um, Manly's artwork though. So, so aside from the coloring, so what did you think of the, the actual artwork of the book? I think the the artwork's actually quite good, quite good. Bleh. Um and I I realized quite, I just it's quite said good after that. It's quite good. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Because I I couldn't speak, but I think the artwork's quite good. I think uh the the book looks really nice and I I kept looking at it going, I wish I could see this in black and white. Uh Manly like I said was somebody that I've had, you know, previous experience with, particularly his Batman run and I remember at the time that he was, you know, the, the Batman he was doing was all armored up. So I could see why they would look at Dark Knight, or I'm sorry, Dark Hawk, and say, you come work on Batman for us because now Batman's in a suit of armor. Like, I completely see how that would have happened. 
And I think that some of his run on Batman is also plagued by that 90s coloring where I'm like, this would be much better if it was in black and white. Uh, I, I quite like the look of the characters. His storytelling is pretty spot on. Like, I don't I don't think I ever ran into something where I'm like, huh, I don't know that I follow that uh, direction. No, I the, do think the, the flowing of the panels worked pretty well. Sometimes you can get lost in the action. I don't think that actually happened here. Yeah. yeah, I think that he he really was a solid storyteller. I think the artwork was interesting. I mean, he doesn't have the flashy Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld style that's going on at the time, but that's not to the book's detriment. I think that uh, you know he's telling a solid story and he's he's giving you solid artwork month in month out. Well, I think he's like uh, Bagley esque. Like I don't know how. Like I just that maybe that's not even paying proper tribute to both. Right. Um, but it's like, it's like, I, I guess, but it comes to like a lot of my, like, you know, superhero comics, I want, I want style, but not to where it gets in the way of the story. And I think Bagley does a wonderful job of that with Spider-Man. And I think Manly did a good job with dark Hawk. I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, I, I'm constantly finding myself as an artist in between places where I'm like, okay, what do I like about this? And sometimes it's because it's flashy and big. And I think sometimes I, my brain tends to focus too much on like, well, what story is it telling? And it's, it's okay to have your, your crazy big fight scenes. And, and, you know, I think you need a balance though between that and storytelling. And I think that, like I said, I think that he's a solid storyteller I think that while he doesn't have the flashiest of styles, I think that with a better colorist, the book might have popped more. Or I'd even be interested to see somebody like, you know, color it now. And I'm actually kind of surprised that Marvel doesn't do this more with some of their older works where they're like, oh, you know what? This wasn't that flashy. Let's pay a colorist to, to, I shouldn't say flashy, but this wasn't to what the expectations were at the time. Let's go ahead and recolor this and then resell it as a remastered vision, which, you know, just makes them more money. Um, but, uh, overall I like Manley's work a great deal. And actually he's, uh, written quite a few things on just the art of making comic books, whether it be anatomy composition, how to compose a page, uh, there was a magazine that actually may still be, be published now that was called um, Draw, and it was literally how it sounds, and it was about comic book artists talking about their, their art, and I believe he had a monthly column where he would break down hmm. um, just different pieces of putting together artwork and drawing. And uh, he's a really talented guy, and I... I don't know. I think now he's working on something that may be syndicated, like a a weekly strip. I follow him on Instagram, uh, but I, I, I think at one point he might have been the artist for like the Phantom, which I know no, no, in this right, day and no, age we're all like newspapers right. still exist. No, he did. The, he did do. The, he did do the Phantom. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he's got any new comic book work coming out other than I believe there's a Darkhawk thing that's coming out that he's returning for right uh maybe that um i don't know like that <laughs> okay i, just, I, I thought I, maybe uh, that's where you were because 
I brought up the Phantom, and you were like, "Yes, he did." And I was like, "Oh, maybe you already know this." No, no, this is Wikipedia page. I'm I am not a smart man. I'll just I'll just say I looked that up. But uh, no, I I um I need to go. There is a uh, a, a new Dark Hawk issue that was published recently. I need to go pick it up at our at our local uh, comic shop. Uh, may, like maybe that's what I'll do on Friday with my uh my inoculated self. I'll go visit our our friends, Carol and John's. Go pick up a Dark Hawk. Um, because again, they keep trying to sneak that in. There's people there that have some, have some, some affinity for this character and they've given it a more complicated backstory to where it fits into like the bigger, like, um, space Marvel. Like I'm talking like Nova core things. So there's a bigger, there's a bigger story here now. So, but there's some love for dark Hawk and there's a new issue that's came out. I don't know if uh manly came back for that or not. I, um, uh, TBD when I picked it up, I'll let you I know. could have sworn when doing my research, I saw that he was involved in some capacity. That's great. Like, I think so. I mean, all the better. Right. So, um, well, let's, yeah, let's go please. back real quick and just talk about, you know, the, the character real quick. You'd mentioned earlier, you know, you're like, well, oh, he's kind of a dick and this and that. And I do wonder if part of that is them trying to do too much with the character in the sense that they're trying to build intrigue around, like what's going on with this family. His mother, I don't even think we talked about his mother. His mother is a, a, a prosecutor who is prosecuting the big bad of, of this series, which is Bazin. <laughs> Unnamed uh, mob guy in Marvel Universe. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I think it's Philippe Bazin or Bazin. I'm not sure uh, how you pronounce it, but Bazin, she's prosecuting him. Bazin Exposition. That's, no, that's, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's, that's a different thing. Basil Exposition. He's he's got two younger brothers uh, who are twins who are I think at eight years old. His father is a cop who may or may not be on the take. And then you also have him as a high school student, which this is where I think the story falters the most is is that they spend a lot of time building up his family and building up his you know. Relationship to his, I don't know, talking about familial relationship, but his relationship with the idea of doing right and wrong through his parents. Mm -hmm. um, then we cut to, I think it's like issue three or four, where they're like, oh, here's his girlfriend. And you're like, wait, she's <laughs> just being yeah. introduced now? Yeah. And she's literally introduced in, I think, issue three or four. And I don't think she crops up again until like issue seven or eight. Yeah. And. You're like, okay, I'm supposed to build an attachment to this character and his relationships, but clearly his girlfriend's not that important to him. Like, if she hasn't made it this far into the story where it's like, oh, hey, I heard your dad might be on the take and is considered to be a, a rogue cop who uh, <laughs> might be on the, uh, the side of uh, crime. You know, everyone seems to know this information, but, like, she never pops up to, like, be like, hey, man, are you okay? Until that issue. Yeah, it's it's tacked on a little bit, especially again, I mentioned his Fred headset. And there's also like like his the the flash um the flash Thompson out like you know ancillary where it's just like, mm -hmm. hey dude, you just stop talking about my family. And he's like, I didn't mean anything, man. But somehow they're still friends. Like there's a lot of that tripe. I think it's grafting on the the Peter Parker high school stuff that doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, a high school student who's got a, you know, girlfriend and is trying to balance the two. I shouldn't say nothing wrong. There's 
that's that <laughs> that story in itself is interesting. You just have to decide which one you're going to pursue more. And clearly in this sense, they were like, well, we're going to focus more on the family, but these other elements then feel tacked on. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, back in the 90s at this time, well, it's a little bit after, but uh, when Tim Drake became Robin, uh, you know, there was a focus on him and his girlfriend and like the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The um, conflict it caused him to be like, I'm a 15 year old kid and I've got a girlfriend. I'm also going out at night and like fighting criminals as Robin. Like, one of these two things have to give, and, like, part of me just wants to be with my girlfriend and be a teenager. Part of me wants to, you know, take on this legend of, of being Robin and fighting crime and try and save Gotham, you know, in a partnership with Batman. And I think that that's interesting when you present it that way, but we never get the point that, like, other than it's it's an annoyance to him, I think, is, I think, the problem that I have with it. That's fair. Where it's like, oh, man, my girlfriend wants to make out. I got to go and do this thing as Darkhawk. Yeah. Like, oh, kissing's you know? cool, but, like, punching dudes in a body that's not mine's better. You know, anyway, yeah. But, like, I'm talking about him being kind of a dick in the sense of, like, he first goes to be all violent and then like, you know, uh, was it for when he goes to visit, um, actually he fights Hobgoblin is about to kill him. Spider-Man's like, don't do that. They get an argument. Hobgoblin goes away. Spider-Man's like, I don't know about the Starcock guy. I was kind of, I don't know. Anyway. And then there is, there is sort of this sentiment, I think between all the heroes after they meet him, they're like, I don't know about him. (laughs) Yeah. Even Punisher's like, eh, yeah, he seems nice enough, but I will shoot him in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> seems like a nice kid, but I yeah. will murder him. Don't yeah. I- uh, so, yeah, they're all like, well, I don't know about that guy. He's just, like, just, he's calm down a little bit. But anyway, uh, so after that, like, he goes and, and confronts uh, Basin at his own compound and doesn't kill him because he has a family. So there's that through line through that. But then we find out that Bazin doesn't give a shit. And he, he pulls a J. Joe, James thing, Jameson thing of like, I'm going to make my own, uh, like, you know, villain to create, to go after dark Hawk. Oh, but side note, by the way, uh, Hobgoblin's putting pressure on Bazin to find this, this, um, you know, thing of power, which turns out to be the dark Hawk amulet. Um, and then Bazin's like, Oh, you know, it just got some Intel. It's not it. And then Hobgoblin's like, okay, well let me know when you find it. Bloop, and he just flies away and then Basin's like, I'm glad he fell for that. I'm like, bullshit. Like the whole notion of like, oh, here's some computer printouts and the hobgoblin who is at this point, like this weird, like religious fanatic of himself. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you showed me data. Guess I'm going to fly away now. Like, <laughs> I think that's also another way that they tried to not support the character, but also maybe get people interested in the character because that story is directly reflected because there's even a caption back in the day, kids, uh, they used to have captions where like, if somebody referenced something that happened in another comic, an editor would step in and be like, Oh, if you missed that, that tale of, you know, mystery, go check out Spider-Man six and seven, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazing fantasy. Go check out the first thing where that guy gets bit by the spider. Excelsior. (laughs) <laughs> but they specifically point out that like, Oh, 
the last time that you just saw Hobgoblin is in Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. They yeah. point it out. Yeah, you go. And, it's like you go watch, you go read that. And it's like, well, that's dark and messed up. I guess we're gonna go to this thing because they directly reference that one, and then also after later, it's like, it's like, yeah, because I this things have been messed up after that run with Ghost Rider. Please see Spider-Man, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, no shit. That was the darker book. No one like Hobgoblin's messed up in the head. So that like I like this book wasn't so bad about that. Other than I will be honest, there was a bit where when Spider Man's like, "Thank goodness I put the spider tracer on Darkhawk," and it's like, and then like what was it? Um, the editor was like, "Did you see it last issue?" And I went back. He patted Darkhawk on the back. That's all that happened. <laughs> God damn well, it! Uh, I went back. It's like I guess that works. You know, whatever. Anyway, I'll be honest. I thought about going back and looking at it, and I I immediately thought to myself. You know what? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I looked. <laughs> I went back and looked. Um, if I was a comic, if I was a kid collecting comics, I probably would have gone back at that time and looked. But I'm like, as an adult, I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're just moving the story uh, forward. I'm just going to say that Jim Valentino was the worst with his Guards of the Galaxy run because, like, they'd be like four panels and be like, "Check last issue!" with the exclamation point. I'm like, calm down. Like, like it's its own continuity. It's the 31st century. If people aren't reading this book now they're not reading it like just, but it was like, see, like there was so much like the editor's notes are fun, but then they're, they're fun till they're not. And it like seeing them in like, um, dark Hawk did remind me that they still value continuity, which I'm like, that's cute. (laughs) 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 Um, so, okay. Um, we were talking before we started recording about, uh, so any, any hero needs a rogues gallery. We got two new two new villains, and these uh, seven issues, nine issues. Um, you didn't you didn't like either one of them. It sounds like it was so. I'll say this: I thought Savage Steel had a cool costume. I, I it's essentially an Iron Man costume. I mean, let's just get that out of the way. It's an Iron Monger style suit. Uh, so I liked that. Just the name Savage Steel sounds. I don't know. It sounds like a softcore porn that you might watch on Cinemax. <laughs> it's like you just see like Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Savage yeah. Steel. Yeah. Oh yeah! Look out! Here comes Savage Steel. <laughs> late night on Cinemax. Yeah, yeah. I just the idea that there was actually like a cop that was like trying to operate outside the lines with the suit was kind of a cool idea. Like I didn't mind that idea, but it was like. <laughs> I, I just, it was, it was a cool design too, where it's like, Hey, what if we did a hockey goalie, but like a mech? <laughs> That's not unfair. I think that that probably works actually. Hey, uh, what if, what if Uber Jason, but not that's what, like, like I want to believe that when they're making Jason X, they're like, Hey, did you guys see that Savage Steel guy? Yeah. But what if we put a Jason mask on him? <laughs> Well, that might make me wake uh, Jason X a little bit more. <laughs> no, I like the idea that like that. So Dark Hawk would run across this guy that's trying to uh, upset like organized crime. But then since they're not sure what side he's on, that creates complications. That's okay. And then the Punisher fight later when it, Savage Steel shows up. Like I like that. Um, that like Savage Steel's like, hey Punisher, you want to help us take out these bad guys? Punisher's like, I don't trust them. Then they take out the bad guys, and then Savage Steel turns on him. He's like, just like I thought. I'm like, 
I'm glad the Punisher's thinking. Like, he's thinking three-dimensional chess. Savage Steel's not thinking three-dimensionally. I thought that was funny. That that that, that uh, Frank's like, yeah, this guy's going to screw me over the moment the bad guys are dead. I was right. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting, because I think of all the characters that uh, Fingeroth... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not Danny Fingeroth. It's Tom DeFalco that it is introduced into the story... I think actually Punisher is the one who works the best and has the, at least makes the most amount of sense. Is even Spider-Man just when he shows up, he's like, oh, I saw Hobgoblin flying by. So I thought I'd check it out. Or, you know, I've got this tracer that I put on Darkhawks. I'm glad it paid off. Like at least Punisher. He's OK. So he serves two purposes. One is a writer. He's he's there to to say to the reader like okay this is gonna show um chris slash dark hawk um that you know perhaps killing all of your enemies isn't the smartest move or at least a a step that he can't take a step back from after it happens like you can't go back after you kill someone i think also he's there to um give the readers something else to focus on other than just the bigger picture with, because there's a lot of plot threads that are happening at that time. And I think that it's a diversion in some ways to be like, all right, well let's take a break from the storyline and just focus on the Punisher, Savage deal and well, Chris that, that, in I this think, story. Oh, that wasn't the museum. That was, um, Oh, where did they go? There was like, was it the museum? No, the museum was portal. We didn't even talk about portal yet. Um, there was no, it was a bit when like, uh, yeah, dark Hawk just like realizes that like, Oh, I'm in the middle of this shit, but his mother's a constant target of Bays and his men. Right. So mm-hmm. because of that, that draws savage steel and the Punisher's also like targeting Bazin. So I think there's like, everybody wants Bazin gone, but no one will talk to each other. That's true. Yeah. Um, although to be fair and I, I did not look him up, so I don't know if there are other stories in which this character spawned out of, but did he become some sort of big heavy within the Marvel universe? Do you know that? Or is his story arc completely dependent upon oh, I don't uh, know. Dark Hawk? Right Do you know that by chance? Um, it looks like he was considered a potential recruit for the initiative program. According to civil war battle damage report, meaning he was almost part of the 50 States initiative. Um, okay. So he's definitely not dead. Yeah. Uh, it looks like uh, was an original sin, which I didn't read that series at all. A version of Savage Steel's armor was obtained through oh no means by a criminal. This man was stopped after a robbery by the Black Knight, who represented Ohio, if I remember right, during the initiative, who nearly killed him during a bout of insanity caused by the Ebony Blade. I mean, as is the do. initiative where they're like every state will have its own superhero. Is that yeah? This is was post Civil War. Of? Yeah, I think Black okay. Knight was part of the Ohio initiative. Um. Yeah, anyway. So I'm looking here at references Darkhawk 4, 9, 12, 15. Darkhawk annual number one. Again, Darkhawk annual number one. Why is that listed twice? Darkhawk annual number two. Darkhawk 32. Darkhawk 50. Original sins number two. So to answer your question, no. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> I think that, I think the idea of, of of the police, especially now, 
with everything going on, like the idea that they would acquire their own, like, like pseudo Iron Man tech to, to like quote unquote, like level the playing field is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure it's explored in other ways. Cause I'm sure with your vault guys or the shield or shield or whatever, I'm sure the idea of like, um, you know, uh, law and order getting, a hammer to drop. I'm sure it's been revisited. So I think Savage Steel could be a, a an idea that could be revisited, but I guess it's solely with Darkhawk. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't. Unfortunately, a lot of these characters were new to me. I yeah. I didn't read Darkhawk. I'd never heard of Savage Steel. You're gonna be There's so mad. Villain. You're gonna be so mad next free comic book day that I come up to you when you're doing drawings. I'll be like, Hey, Savage Steel. This is what I'm going to ask for you. So mad. <laughs> it's better be, than random guy from video games. And then you're going to be like, I can't do that. Be like, what about Lodestone? You'll be like, ah. So what about Lodestone? I, if you want to talk about that real quick. <laughs> I mean. Lodestone. Magneto, like, I get it. Magneto, like, you're a writer with a deadline. Was a girl. Anyway, go ahead. You're a writer with a deadline. I get it. You got to come up with a name. But like. Lodestone tells me a nothing about the character and B it doesn't even make sense. Like it's not even <laughs> like if you heard the name Lodestone, you'd laugh, you know, it's, it's just shy of being Lone Star for God's sakes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, which is interesting because it's a female villain. And uh, one of the things that I will say that annoyed me about the arc as well is, is that Bazin's daughter suddenly takes a shine to Darkhawk for no reason. And we're sort of left to be like, oh, is, is Darkhawk interested in his uh, nemesis uh, daughter at this point? Well, uh, you know, his girlfriend, who we haven't really given much chance to uh, flourish as a character, apparently isn't enough for him at this point. So. <laughs> Well, here, let me, let, before we get, so she's basically uh, Magneto Light. I like that she constantly talks about how she can pull the iron out of people's blood. It's like, you learned one thing, and that's gross. All right. So, <laughs> um, footnotes, it says here on um, the MarvelFandom.com wiki about uh, about Lodestone Darkhawk Rain Files number one, Darkhawk one through three, Darkhawk seven through eight, Darkhawk 14, Thunderbolts 24 through 25. So, not much. Well, I mean, I, and I hate, I hate to say this, but I, I didn't read. Um, Thunderbolts. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't read Thunderbolts. I, I, I remember when that first issue came out and I remember being like, I don't know what Thunderbolts is, but it looks like just a generic Marvel team and I, I'm not interested in it. And I remember like that the was the point, month, right? <laughs> what's that that was the point everyone's like what that, is this which i think that may be fun like later i know we talked about comic book stuff i've not read any of thunderbolts that might be a fun thing to dig into and neither have i and and then when that reveal was just sort of spoiled these were back in the days of you know wizard magazine uh where they're like hey this is actually a team of super villains and uh it's all run by baron zemo and you're like wait what like it's kind of mind blowing at the time, but yeah, maybe we should dig into that because I think that that might be a uh, an interesting discussion since neither of us read it at the time it came out. And after after the reveal happened, I was like, oh, I should check that out, but never got around to it. 
but I feel like every character needs to have like a rogues gallery. So we got Savage Steel, we got uh, we got Lodestone that is like Magneto Light, and that how um, how Chris slash Darkhawk appealed to her like, hey, you don't have to work for Bazin. She's like, but you don't understand. There's more there going on for her. Um, so at least there's that and it runs through the through line of Bazin, which I say he's very much like J. Joe Jameson where he's like, I don't need a scorpion man to fight the spider man. And like every single time, like J. Joe Jameson's like behind like the creation of a, you know, a combatant to fight Spider-Man, they become a villain and out of their control. You know, like I feel like that's very much in line where it's like, oh, Lodestone, uh, her control mechanism fell into the hands of Basin's daughter, and now she can do her own thing. Like, okay, that will come back to haunt us later. Um, you know, and then also the UFOs. Are you familiar with the UFOs that were like that showed up in one episode? I forgot one, one about episode. the UFOs. Yeah. And I remember reading it, does, and I was like, "I'm just gonna let that go." Does the U stand for useless? I don't know. Like, what was the <laughs> UFOs? I know that I know that they've showed up more, and I, I like the idea. Like, I think that's a. Fu- I like. I don't know about you, man. Like, anytime like, when it comes to any any like you know comics, I like B and C listers. Like, I I just like the Wrecking Crew. Um, I don't know if there's like a, a B or C um, villain team that you can talk about from. Um, DC, but I love it. It's like, they just show up. It's like, Oh, it's those guys. It's like, they're, they're not bad, but they just can't ever like that. No, they're bad as in they're bad guys. They just can never get their shit together. Like they're trying to be bad. I like, I like, I like the stumbling blocks. I'm trying to think. Um, Oh boy. Um, I don't know that they're like my favorites, but I, I, I do love, Batman, for all of his great like villains, also has some real losers. Where you're like Killer Moth, like that's a <laughs> thing. Uh, so, like, I, I tend to focus more on on sort of those types of characters when it comes to the loser villains. I can't think of a team off the top of my head though. Um, but I'm sure there's one out there. Maybe the um, oh, their 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 whole gimmick is playing cards, and I can't think of their name um oh oh the royal flush gang oh there you go they were in batman beyond weren't they yeah they well in the comics they were kind of all over the dc universe i think at one point but uh uh they do pop up in uh batman beyond and uh justice league also kind of like uh the serpent society where it's like you have a snake name you should join us you know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, also it looks like during, uh, the, the 50 States initiative, they were the team state for North Carolina. So I'm sorry, North Carolina, your team sucked. <laughs> I mean, I suppose there are, uh, worse, uh, teams that you could have, but yeah, <laughs> uh, looks like they faced off against the incredible Hulk, uh, the Avengers. I mean, like, I don't think if the UFOs show up in some of the, like the Marvel cinematic universe, I'd lose my mind because like they're bringing the UFOs in. I don't think they're bringing the UFOs in, uh, but you had the UFOs. And then also the last villain of note uh, to bring in was a character named portal. Um, I just want to mention this just because I hope that gave you a little bit of pause of like, you see this dude showing up with armor similar to our main character, dark Hawk, but the, the amulets ripped out. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. That gave you more questions of like, Hey, where'd you get that? And he's like, I don't know. I fought a guy, killed him, took his armor, deal with it. 
Like I was absolutely expecting it to just be him from the future. Because <laughs> uh, that, that's a trope that I've seen uh, quite a few times within DC. So I honestly, I was just like, oh, it's just going to be, we're going to find out that it's him um, for the future. And either he's seen something and he can't tell him his, you know, past self or, you know, he uh, knows something that uh, could come back and, and change things in his time. So I was actually pleasantly surprised when I found out that it wasn't a future version of him. No, it was a character. Oh, what was his name? Um, his last name was Little Scary. Bill. What? I Bill? Don't I don't know. Anyway, I said Bill. Bill. Uh, no, but Portal was actually a character. Was it like Charles Little Sky? It might be something like that. That um, that was actually part of an Avengers bit for a second because this kid could actually open portals to other realities. So he's showing back up to our reality, wearing like a green version. So like the DLC you got to pay for of the dark hawk armor but with the amulet ripped out and dark hawk's like but what's going on here you gotta tell me some stuff he's like i don't want to tell you shit and that like that leaves it open well one there's other things out in the universe that look like me and then uh two um this guy's wearing armor that looks like mine but the amulet's missing so that means whatever i am can die i thought that was interesting i thought that was at least enough but to speak to more of uh chris being a dick the fact that he beats Portal and he's like, I finally won and no one's talking about it. It's like, Com- slow your roll, buddy. You destroyed half this museum doing all of this. <laughs> I, I guess I kind of dismissed that. I wasn't even thinking about that part. I think I was more enamored with the fact that, like, they're clearly building up the, uh, I, for lack of a better word, I'm going to just say it, bum who lives at the, uh, I'll say the abandoned. Yeah. That's our spirit animal that lives at the abandoned uh, amusement park that's drunk all the time. Yeah, we'll we'll say he's a vagabond. How's that? Is that better than he's just a wanderer and just a free spirit? Yeah. Uh, so I, the thing is, is that it's clear at the beginning of the story that he's supposed to be, or at least he's supposed to have information that he can relay to the main character and the audience, but he doesn't really do any of that. Like, he pops up maybe every three issues with, like, a very weird sort of, oh, Dark Hawk is being Dark Hawk's a dark responsibility. Better be sure. Beware the Uh, curse after I told you to grab the amulet, kind of, and gave you a name. Yeah, and then Chris is like, what? And then he's like, he's gone. Yeah, and he's just like, beware the grape of the vine. Like, what's he talking about? (laughs) Like, like. He escaped in a a haze of, of uh, scotch. Yeah. I don't know. Like, where where are those rubbers when you're in the navy? Why are you saying that? What's going on here? You know, like, like never bet on the Jets. Like, say Johnny, what are you talking about? He just disappears. He's like out right anyway there's actually you learn a little bit more about him later but um it's just i don't like that stilted like purposeful like you could tell us right now and clear a lot of things up i guess you're not going to do it but i also i understand that you got to feed the cliffhanger but if that's the way you're going to do it by not revealing information versus giving us information and creating questions i don't know that's a weird line to walk yeah, I, I remember, and I, again, I, I'm only, I can only compare to things that I've read, but I remember back in the day, 
after Batman uh, reclaims, after Bruce Wayne reclaims the mantle of being the uh, of being Batman from Azrael Jean Paul Valley, uh, who was Batman for about two to three years, um, they gave Azrael his own title, and they built in this very similar idea of there being a character who just happened to be an expert on all these things, but also happened to be an alcoholic. So like they would literally be like, Oh, well we've got to just ply him with enough alcohol at certain times to get information out of him. And I believe they try to rehab him and, and things like that later on in the story. But it, it's built at the beginning where it's like, wow, there's, <laughs> there's this nineties thing where it's like random alcoholics who are now homeless, who, uh, have all this information about whatever your character needs to have. Yeah. So I feel like that's maybe a trope started here. I don't know, but the, ma- the magic hobo. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> speaking of a nineties, uh, like <laughs> there was a character named slapstick that's now showed up in the Deadpool runs. That is basically a living cartoon character. And it, I, I love that four issue miniseries. Like it's probably not aged well, but I dig it. There's a bit where the character faces off against somebody named the neutron bum. And it's amazing. Like this guy has like atomic powers. He can just blow up stuff. And all he's asking for is change for a cup of coffee. And he's just the neutron bum. <laughs> and slapstick has to fight him. Uh, St. Johnny is, is not far out from the neutron bum. Okay, yeah, I I will say that I I I guess in the larger sense of like telling a story, I, I I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get more answers within the first nine issues. I know that the idea of decompressed storytelling, which is how people talk about comic books today, in the sense that they're like, you know, back in my day, you could read a comic and be done with it by you know page twenty two. Bullshit. You know. Yeah. Um. This is clearly a reference to that, or not a reference, sorry. This is clearly points out that <laughs> that wasn't really true. Because we got nine issues of it, and there are so many things that are still like dangling. I don't know that we ever really got a complete story point other than him beating villain A to villain B to villain C. Everything else is still in motion in the background. Yeah, so with that being said, I'm not saying that this is aged terribly well. This feels very much like a just it's an origin story with strings attached. So you got to figure out what's going on forward. Um, like, uh, like, how did you feel about it? you came in this fresh? I had I have a rose tinted nostalgia about this because I've read this before. I didn't remember the bulk of it other than you know, uh, kid finds amulets. Uh, it makes him into the the sweetest BMX biker ever or whatever that should be the book from now on like not a crime fighter but he just gets a cool helmet and can ride bmx races that's the book um but how how would you feel about this i have a soft spot it's not aged well for me but this is your first time coming into a blind i think the ingredients are all there i think that the storytelling is a little i don't want to use the word muddled because it's not the storytelling is very clear but it's very spaced out. Like I'm not okay. saying that we need to have all the answers by the end of the first nine issues. Cause we shouldn't, but I feel like we should have gotten more than we did within nine issues. And I think that there's a lot of time wasted, uh, whether it be just, you know, an issue, him fighting savage steel or an issue in which 
his girlfriend that he doesn't even really seem to like <laughs> is at a mall with him that's being attacked. Like, I. <sighs> that's what happens with the Punisher showing up. Sorry. <laughs> the museum I, fight was with Portal. That's right. You're I right look right. at this and I'm like, you know what? If you give this to. And it, I, it's easy to say this because it'd be like, you could just give James Gunn anything and I'm sure he would make it amazing. But if you give these ingredients to the right filmmaker or the right storyteller. There's gold there. There's something to be done with this character. So what you're saying is that we should make unauthorized Darkhawk issues between you and I and just make them happen. That's what you're saying. Yes, I believe that's called fan fiction, sir. No, no, no. But but fan fiction, but I'm talking like fully published printed comics <laughs> that we sell uh, at the table with Slasher and we'll call him like, dusk bird or something we'll just make up another name it's fine which i mean i guess it ties into the game at the end of the night here with synonyms right but we'll, we'll do it we'll call it Darkwing, right no one's ever I, called anything Darkwing. <laughs> as long as the word duck doesn't appear <laughs> it could be a mallard fighting crime we don't know we'll figure it out no, I just, me, yeah let me ask you this real quick i mean you know uh, the we talked about the suit we talked about the character you know what was it that you think attracted you, you know, back in the day? Was it that this was a character that you could get in on it on, you know, ground floor? Was it like, you're like, that's a cool costume. Was it that you related to Chris's hot mom? What was it? Well, I do have an affinity for redheads. that are complicated, That that is the truth. And it will be the death of me. I will, I'll be like, that. they'll be like, Hey, you like, you want to hang out? I'll be like, yeah, it's like, well, first you have to go to that porta potty with that, terribly hanging like crane that's about to collapse I'm like i'm in it you know anyway so um i think i think it's a couple things one i think uh all comics at the time had a long-term continuity thing where it's like if you weren't in you weren't in um that's why i also gravitated towards the initial mcfarland spider-man run because it started with issue one at the same time around the same time also um i've talked about it already the guards of the galaxy at this time like being on the ground floor or something felt more approachable to me probably at that time than grabbing like issue 373 of the amazing Spider-Man where there's so much baggage that you couldn't parse out. Like as, as I'm talking like an eighth grader going to ninth grade, liking comics, you wanted to be in something like new. And also there was that, there was that bubble that was building of like, Hey, this is a new thing. Check it out. It's either like, I'd also buy annuals because they were like kind of one shots, but then also Marvel did the thing where if you bought X-Men annual, this one, you have to go buy, um, uncanny X-Men and super canny X-Men and not so canny X-Men, whatever X-Men titles there were. I forget the, but you had to buy like four annuals, but that felt like at least more approachable than buying like five different titles, like monthly. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that appealed to me also, uh, the character was cool looking. Also, I don't know, man. Like, do you remember being like that young where it's like, it's just, I, I, I get really frustrated now with the terms geek and nerd, how they're like, Oh, they're just thrown out. It's like, I was the stupid ass kid, like in eighth, and ninth grade that I loved comics and was really reading the Bible. I don't know. And Stephen King, it was all, it was all, there's a, there was a mess up there. There was a storm of brewing, but I wanted to find the thing that was me. Right. Mm -hmm. And finding this character in sleepwalker 
um, which we're not even talk about because it's not this episode. And then we're going to lose a lot of money. Hey, everybody, want to go back to the 90s and talk about another character? Yeah. I just, those things resonated with me and I just, they just forever stuck with me. Like I imprinted, I made the joke before we started recording about like having like the, the mama duck thing of like, I'm just a, like, I'm that that's my mom. And I, I guess dark Hawk's my mom. That's not what I mean by that, but that might be the title of the episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, like you grew up with star Wars, you're imprinted on that. Like, is there any like weird, like little, like off the beaten path things that you really dig that, you can't explain why other than like it was right place, right time that you just like that no one else really came to that fountain, but you'll be a champion of it. I think there, uh, there's probably not an episode long enough for me to go through all those things. <laughs> I think uh, whether it be comics, movies, TV shows, uh, like there are so many different things that relate to me or that I related to uh, more appropriately that, that, I made my own in the sense of like, I, you know, put my foot down and was like, this is means something to me. And, you know, either it didn't mean a lot to a lot of people or, um, you know, became wildly popular. Like, you know, I remember back in the day, like, you know, I was always questioning people who didn't watch the Simpsons back in the nineties. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's the best show on TV, you know, but I can't really throw that out there and people be like, yeah, it's been around for 30 years <laughs> and it's quite popular. Uh, um, can you, you can know, you please dress down people that don't know who Savage Steel is now from here on out? Yes. Yes. I will thrash them thusly. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think specifically in, in, in terms of, you know, comics, I, 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 there's so many different things that I, I've gotten into in the past. I mean, I, I was infatuated for quite some time with Terry Moore's Stranger in Paradise, which is not at all action. It's not it's a relationship drama um, and it's quite good. And I will always check out what Terry Moore is doing because of discovering that comic back in the day. But it's it's not something that I think a lot of people plant their flag on or um and this is another non come or i'm sorry non-superhero reference but uh there's a book called box office poison that i loved back in the 90s and it was sort of described in a sense as the comic that was in the sense that seinfeld was a a a show about nothing um people would say box office poisons the show that's about the, the comic that's about nothing but it wasn't. It was about these characters, um, and none of them had superpowers. They were all just in their 20s trying to get along. They were very much in line with probably Kevin Smith characters. That's okay. probably why I gravitated gravitated towards those books. But I, there's a ton of those types of things that I could go to and, and say specifically, like, I love this, and I planted my flag there. And then you could probably be like, yeah, it's widely popular, or other people like it. So well, no, but the, 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 there's these weird corners, and like what you mentioned there, I think is a value. I, I know, I've heard of those things that you have mentioned. I, I've not got into them. Like, I mean, because you know, I'm not a nerd. Anyway, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, you know, I'm going to read my Bible sitting by my locker in high school and then read Dark Hawk. Like, like a sane person. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like, there's just, I don't know. Like everybody has their thing. Like, and, and as, as we said earlier, when you get frustrated where someone can't quantify about why they don't like something, it's hard for me to quantify why I, I do like something. However, with that being said, I know you've brought on some amazing talent on this show. 
And I always like drop weird things to the artists and creators of stuff and be like, Hey, what about this? And then they perk up. Like, um, like I think I've mentioned dark Hawk sleepwalker. I know, um, what was it? Brian level mentioned that he had a sleepwalker pitch that never went anywhere. So he knew what I was talking about. And I, I mentioned also, uh, the nineties, uh, villain, like, sorry, anti-villain, whatever it is. Cardiac. I know we talked about the previous, like, like these guys that do all these amazing things are like, yes, I remember this so that it, it resonates with somebody. Right. And so I don't know, like I like dark. So, Hawk. He looks cool. I remember at the free comic book day, there was a gentleman. I cannot remember the guy's name right now. I feel so bad and, and I can't like reference his work, but I was like, Hey, can you draw, draw dark Hawk for me? And Steve's like, I'm not going to do that. So I went to the next guy and I asked him to draw dark Hawk for me. And he did, he did a pretty, he's like, Oh, he's like, let me look it up. He's like, Oh yeah. I remember that guy. He did a pretty cool sketch. You know, he like, did. He did a really good sketch. Yeah, actually. it's a really cool sketch, and the fact that there's a Marvel Legends of the character, there's not a Sleepwalker character yet, a figure. When there is, shut up and take my money. Like, so I'll say this now, Steve. So uh, to to kind of put a pin in all this, not or wrap it all up, I should say. I looked up '90s Marvel characters today, and I found two clickbait articles about like, hey, coolest '90s characters, and there was one that was like. Uh, like uh, five to to revisit and five to forget, and both times I shit you not, Sleepwalker was like, "Hey, we should check this out again." And then when Darkhawk's like, "Just leave him where he's at," <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, I'm conflicted." <laughs> I do, I do think the ingredients are there. I I think that somebody taking a crack at Darkhawk now, and I I understand that. At least my understanding of it, as I should say, as opposed to I understand, but my understanding is is that his continuity has never stopped. Like they've never rebooted him or no. anything like that. So the version of him that's running around currently is a version that delineates from thirty years ago. Like there's, and it, yeah. obviously, comic book time moves way different than real time. But like this isn't like them being like, oh, you know. Chris can no longer hold the mantle, so now it's you know Jack Storm, who's you know <laughs> Jack Storm. No, uh, so no, it was a couple years ago. Marvel did this thing where they released like an additional issue of a comic that stopped. So I own the fifty-first issue of Darkhawk. They put it a couple years ago, so they continue the story like as if like the book was picked up like later. And so, like, you come into this, you're like, there's a lot of questions I have here. So Chris, at that point, uh, had the amulet still and couldn't summon the Darkhawk. So it was, like, this whole thing of, like, but he also went through a lot of shit because, again, there's this whole, like, celestial, not celestial, but, like, space thing that went on with that type of uh, body armor and, like, an association with a space uh, race called Raptors. I don't know all about it. It gets a little fudgy. Um, but the Nova Corps was also involved and the Nova Corps doesn't like the Raptors. So I think the Nova Corps, they do not like Toronto's basketball team. Uh, but, um, there was a whole thing where it's like, he was trying to be conflicted. Like he wouldn't start not trying. He was conflicted because this used to resonate for him. Now it doesn't operate anymore. That's cool. Like, I think he also became a police officer later to follow the footsteps of his father. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this new issue that this came out. Like, I think, I, I think you're right. I think there's something here. Um, but you know, it's very much product in the nineties, but again, Deadpool is more popular than ever. Uh, uh, 
Cable is popular. Um, I don't know what else came out of the nineties. Like, um, I kind of wish Harley uh, Quinn. Harley uh, Quinn. I mean, yeah. that's animated first, but Still, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish uh, the New Warriors. I wish there was more of that. Was that was around? Uh, Speedball was kind of cool, but then, uh, you know, they changed him into Penance. Uh, Night Thrasher was Batman with the skateboard. <laughs> you should look that up. He's like, oh, I got a lot of money. I guess I'm going to ride around on a skateboard and beat people with nunchucks. I'm Batman. You know, whatever. Well, it's it's yeah. interesting that you you brought up the whole like you know oh what's the something that would be like a you know something that you would go down a sidetrack for or, you know something that you were like oh I really dug this and you know this isn't the most um, this is clearly a character who's got a big name but I I think for instance we haven't talked about this because uh, Free Comic Book Day is still sort of in limbo, but uh, Carolyn Johns last year was supposed to have Chris Claremont as a guest. Um, and he is now going to be appearing this year in yes. August. And they're still trying to figure out what the logistics of the show is going to be. But uh, if you're in the Cleveland area and you want to meet Chris Claremont, free comic book day, Carolyn Johns, I think in August is going to be the place to meet him. And I know you want to meet him. Oh yeah. Um, but for me, I always thought that a generation generation X was a cool idea. I always loved all those characters, thought they were really cool. And I have always thought that there's a potential for Jubilee to do something really cool with Jubilee. And I don't think anybody's ever really done that. So Jubilee is a bigger character. I mean, Jesus, she's in the X-Men cartoon show. She's essentially Wolverine's Robin, if you will, which may actually be one of the reasons that I like her so much, but that's a character that I'm like, Oh, I would love to see something, you know, be done with her. And I may actually make her for the art show. I may do a, a Jubilee piece. Cause I'm like, probably nobody's going to do a Jubilee piece for a, a Chris Claremont art show. Well, now that you said that, that. I'm, I'm going to make a really terrible one so that yours looks way better. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But, but I think that, you know, I, I think that Jubilee and Darkhawk aren't that far off from each other. A in the like time that they're created and B their sort of reception. I think that they're great pieces of like Marvel characters that are just sort of sitting there and nobody's really given them. A, and I, again, I, I shouldn't say this because Darkhawk did get, as you said, like 50 issues, but I feel like they're just sitting in a drawer somewhere and maybe they are starting to do something with Darkhawk and maybe at some point he's going to get his own Marvel series or a movie. But I, I equate him with Jubilee and I like, I'm like, Oh, there's untapped talent here or story ideas here. This could be something really cool. If the right person comes to it. I agree. So there we go. Um, that's it. I think I think uh, there should be more more uh, justice for Darkhawk. That's I guess sure. Then more love for him. Um, I throw this in here. Uh, you know, um, Sleepwalker, and then also Stingray. <laughs> no one talks about Stingray. We talk about a guy with a cool suit or Cardiac. Come on, everybody, shout out your uh, your C and D listers, right? Please, that would be amazing for Marvel because we need we need some more of them to show up. That would be so much fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for a discussion about Darkhawk. Thank you for, uh, purchasing the comics. It was fun to revisit them. Um, I, like they said, were on sale. They, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't think they've aged well in some ways, but I think they've done okay in others. I think at some point, 
Uh, maybe not for the show. We should talk about some Sleepwalker and how they also try to incorporate Spider-Man Rogues Gallery at the same time. It's just also, by the way, he also had a villain called Eight Ball, where it was a dude wearing all black with an eight ball helmet that you couldn't see his face. And he flew around in a pool rack with his henchmen that were all dressed up as different billiard balls. You can't tell me that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely won't tell you and that's amazing. He's, he's a proportions but- expert that somehow made a cue, a pool cue that could like return any, um, you know, any energy um, ex- like exerted into like a hundred times plus or whatever. So like he would use his pool cue and hit like um, an upright um, uh, manhole cover and it could rip through cars. Like, come on, tell me that's not amazing. That it's like, you guys thought about theming to run around in a rack that like, it's a spaceship. That's just like, you know what? 16 of you, <laughs> you do crimes. That feels like Batman's like, I should have thought of that anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I I'm gonna leave this go uh, because <laughs> I feel like I could take us into another round of discussions yes. on that subject. But I would say that uh, you know, Darkhawk, he's not the sexiest of Marvel characters, but I think there's enough Hush there that. Uh, okay, great. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think there's enough there that I think <laughs> if somebody really wants to take a deep dive on him, there's there's some interesting stuff. Yeah. All right, let's go do it for a discussion about Darkhawk. Darkhawk forever. That will show up again later, I'm sure. Um, yeah, let us know your guys' uh, thoughts, feelings about uh, B, C, D, E, F listers uh, and uh, superheroes. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Like, cause everybody, everybody loves a thing, right? That no one else loves. That's, that's the truth. So you guys can find us on Facebook and invasion of the podcast. Uh, post your thoughts there. You can email us directly at invading podcast, gmail.com, uh, wherever you find your podcast rate and review us. It'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you and your spectacularly colored comics? If you guys want to find me, uh, and explain to me, uh, why tenant works, you can find me <laughs> at, uh, the Saturday at slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday at slasher. And if you want to buy a comic, head to art, uh, our, our web store or storefront on Etsy called, uh, art of the slash. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your time. All right. <laughs> now on to some spectacular superhero synonyms. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> so tonight's game is Superhero Synonyms. Uh, the way that I crafted this game was not only inspired by great names such as Savage Steel and Lodestone, but I thought, you know, it would be fun to just really look at what the meanings of certain, you know, superhero names are. And once I started doing that, I, I got into the idea of looking into what the uh, other meanings are for the, the words that would be associated with it. So tonight's game, I'm going to give you 10 names. and You're going to tell me which superhero that correlates to. So okay. to give you an example, um, if I said arachnid male, what character would you think that is? Um, spider, Spider-Man's. That's correct. So arachnid meaning spider, male meaning man. So that's how the game's going to break down. I'm going to give you uh, essentially other words that I'm explaining to you how synonyms work. Synonyms. I keep wanting to say cinnamon. Uh, Uh, Synonyms work. Synonyms uh, nice too. Essentially, I'll give you uh, 
you know, a, a name and you'll have to tell me what that correlates to okay. in, with a superhero character. So the first one here is deceased lagoon. So think about it. <laughs> deceased lagoon. What oh. might be another word for deceased? Well, dead and lagoon is swamp or, uh, oh, oh man, uh, deceased, dead, dying, dead, um, deep fried, uh, deep fried lagoon. <laughs> that's swamp. Um, Deadpool. God damn it. There you go. God damn it. All right. I should say that these are all brought to you by thethoris.com. <laughs> Give us money. All right. Come on. Yeah. Or, so yes, or, or gold or rupees or rubles, whatever other words you want to use. Just give, <laughs> give us payment. Bitcoin, Dogecoin, whatever. So Deceased Lagoon works out to be Deadpool. No. All right. I felt stupid one. when that light bulb went off. I'm like, God damn it. All right. I was like, I was leaning towards swamp thing. I'm like swamp and thing doesn't match that. So anyway, I'll admit, I feel like this is a harder quiz. So don't feel That's bad fine. if you miss. No, I just think I like that. Like, you know, um, the people listening are going to be like Funyun is not a real mortal combat fighter. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. All, right. All right. So the second one here. Juvenile hemoglobin. Young blood. There you go. Look at that. You're two for two. All right. Third one here. Demise gust. Okay. I'm sorry. Repeat that, please. Demise gust. Oh. Demised gust. Um... Oh, gust is a wind, a zephyr, a breeze, a febreze, demised, or I don't know, death stroke. I got nothing. Oh, you're close. Death blow. Death blow. Oh, I don't know that character. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Uh, image character created by uh, Jim Lee. I almost Stanley. Uh, created by Jim Lee in the like mid '90s, carried over into DC when uh, Wildstorm oh. was acquired by DC. Was that part of um, uh, Youngblood? Not Youngblood. Wildcat- Wildcats was Wildcats Jim Lee. <sighs> yeah, Wildcats is Jim Lee. It's an offshoot. It, what's interesting about Death Blue is is that he drew it in a very uh, Frank Miller style in the sense that like a lot of heavy darks and blacks in the comic and not so much the normal hatching that you would associate with his work. Okay. Okay. So uh, number four, we've got Barbaric Monster. Barbaric Monster. This one's hard, I admit. Bar- barbaric. Uh, uh, that is... Um, barbaric would mean to me, like, Viking, uh, vengeful, um, like, bloody. Um, I feel like I'm playing catchphrase. You're like, the, the secret <laughs> word is... You know, anyway. And monster. Oh, man. Um... I'm drawing a blank. You got me. 
All right. Uh, this one's hard. Uh, it might be Savage Dragon. Oh, I thought you were going to be like Savage Steel. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, anyway, like, yo. All right. Fair enough. No, I should have used Savage Steel now that I think about it. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, something. Barbaric Bar- Metal. Barbaric Never Used Again. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're uh, halfway through the list here. This one is Challenge Beelzebub. <laughs> so, Challenge Beelzebub. Whoa. Fight Devil is not a thing. Um, mm, oh, um, God damn, I just... I hear, 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 I just, Game over, yeah! <laughs> I just, God damn, like this, this is, you got me. I got nothing. All righty. So dare. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Devil. <laughs> oh man. All right. I dare you to, or I challenge you to. Yeah. Uh, on to this next one here. I think this one you're going to get. I think, I think this is a good one. Uh, Astonishment matron. Wonder woman. Very good, sir. You got that. <laughs> Thank you for the good. softball. It's like, oh, poor kid needs to at least hit the tee off the like the ball off the tee. Okay, great. Thank you. I know I would be, I would be lost at this point if I were in your shoes. So, uh, I I don't mean to you know make it sound like I've got all the answers because I do. Well, you do. Uh, you made the game. You have all the answers. I get it. it's fine. Yeah. So this isn't a toilet quiz. Come on, Mike. You, you know. <laughs> Next one here. Leader phenomenon. Leader phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's hard. Um, leader phenomenon. Uh, that would be like a captain, uh, a planet. No, that's not right. A captain, um, a supreme, a taco supreme. Uh, Burrito Supreme. Uh, go back to Captain. <laughs> Captain Marvel. There you go. Yeah. All right. Captain so Captain Burrito Marvel. All right. <laughs> Captain Marvel Burrito coming from Taco Bell. I, w- I would eat that. I, just, let's be honest. Like it's you know. <laughs> this next one here. I honestly, I don't even know if this is going to be something that you'll remember. <laughs> So if it's if dark you don't Hawk, get this one, if it's dark Hawk, I'm going to piss blood. Come on. Just like, what is it? Okay. <laughs> please don't feel bad. Uh, but, uh, suck. I can't even read it. Soggy agency. Soggy agency. Yeah. Wow. Oh. oh, soggy agents. This is an individual or a group. It's a group. Perhaps if something was soggy, it might be wet. (laughs) Oh, wet works. There you go. You gave me (laughs) half of it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Three more to go. And then uh, the the torture's over. Uh, Steely guy. Savage steel. (laughs) No. No, Iron Man. (laughs) There you go. But Savage steel would also. He was a steely guy. Yeah. 
He was a steely guy. Oh, yeah. That's what we need. We need to mix that together. All righty. Two more to go. Uh, this one here is Olive Torch. <laughs> Green Lantern. There you go. All right. See, you're doing good. <laughs> Last one to go. Uh, this one is probably my favorite. And actually, I I kind of want to make like a shitty ripoff character please, of this. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you're going to please do it. <laughs> Specter Traveler. Specter. Um, oh, Ghost Rider. There you go. Yeah, please. Just just <laughs> a dude that's riding sidecar. Just taking photos like he's, you know, like whatever. That'd be great. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think I got it like a, a C minus with that. That was fun. I, I think you're at least the 70% or higher. So I think you're good. We grew on a curve. So I think I passed. I don't know. So anyway, that was fun. I hope people enjoyed that. I hope uh, you were shouting out names of things before I was. I mean, wet works is a deep pull though. Yeah. You win a lot of image comics there. Well, their names really do, uh, you know, lend themselves to this game. That's fair. All right. So, all right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, We're taking a week off. uh, So we're not going to be back until um, the week of the 17th. Uh, We're recording on Mondays right now because, uh, you know, just because. Sure. Why not? Right. We're going to be doing it for Mondays for a bit. Uh, Steve, would you be upset if I released this episode on a Tuesday on May the 4th without any Star Wars talk? Would that drive <laughs> no you nuts? No Star Wars talk at all. It's our May 4th episode. No Star Wars talk. You, you should actually release it that way. <laughs> yes. I'll, yeah, I'll be like a little bit of Batman, no star Wars. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're going to like, so we'll be off for a week, uh, for, for reasons, uh, Steve, Please let people know why we're taking a week off. So we're taking a week off. I'm actually going to be appearing on an upcoming episode of uh, The Devil's Ball. Or at The Devil's Ball. My apologies. Whore! Um, (laughs) You whore! You're... (laughs) How how dare you... (laughs) <laughs> i want i want i want during the why you guys are recording over there i just want someone to break it and be like hey we're part of cheaters what is going on over no i'm just kidding no <laughs> steve is uh flexing his wings and going over to friends nathaniel and samael uh, over at, at the devil's ball which we've been on their show they've been on our show um it's a lot it's a lot of uh podcast inbreeding and i'm excited to hear what you guys are talking about in an episode where I couldn't adequately defend or criticize Tenet, I'm going to be going on another show to talk about why I love Halloween four. So uh, Not check for the it first out. Time. Not, you, you guys should go back to our um, Halloween year of the sequel that we did like two years ago without any knowledge. Was it two, three years ago? Yeah, I feel yeah. like it was closer to three years ago. I think it was my first year on and it was just basically like horror movies. Steve loves. Okay, great. We've had a conversation about Halloween four, right? So yeah, Go back, listen to that, and see if Steve contradicts himself at every turn. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, no, I, I can't. They convinced me that it's really not a good movie. I'm like, yeah, I guess you guys are right. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. Oh, I guess Halloween Five was a superior one of the two. <laughs> no, no, they're they're running the series over there. Um, I know this. They just dropped an episode about Halloween Three, which um, I we've talked about on Vegas podcast previously. I know Steve weren't part of the conversation, but I like Halloween Three a great deal. Um, Halloween four has its merits. 
Um, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it uh, at the devil ball at, at, at the devil ball at the devil's ball is going to be uh, recorded in between our weeks. And then we'll come back two weeks from now and have something else. We've not figured out that yet, but you know, like we've already dug into an obscure nineties Marvel hero. How much further can we drag this into the dirt? We'll figure that out. All right. You guys heard it. Find the most obscure Marvel character and we'll cover it. <laughs>